Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. We use it and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. You nailed that line, Crafty. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. AJ, what else? With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. That's true. And ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we've been connecting with fans more with polls and instant feedback. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Big show today. It's Friday in AJ's world. FT Live. Thursday, yeah. Friday for like, you. I don't get my own like nickname. Like you know, you have Fraser Friday. First of all, subscribe on YouTube and all the podcasts. Thank you, I, Scott. Just I don't know, Scott. One day you're going to come on the air and say because if you listen to podcasts, most of the time you know the first thing they say is if you like the content here, mm-hmm. please subscribe. Yeah, which I feel like sometimes is the shameless promotion. Which is the point it. of this, though? Yeah, of the, of the show or no, of, of you saying it? Of yeah, you, of it's you better as, you than me. As you as the host saying yes. it. Right. Yeah, but I don't like to say that. I, feel I don't like either. It, but it, it resonates when it comes from AJ, doesn't it, Kratzy? It does resonate, and I like the I like the condescending way that he tells you to do it. Kind of. <laughs> I'm not condescending. Like, I'm just like I tell him every day, and he never says it, so it always ends up being me. I, but it, but it feels the the opening feels genuine from Scott, and AJ's like, "Hey guys, subscribe, click the button." Don't forget. <laughs> well, just think about how far AJ has come in one month's time or less. I mean, he's all over Twitter, he's on Instagram, he's Jeez. telling people to subscribe. This is the 2023 version of AJ Przinsky that shameful, the world needs. It's a shameful life that I lead now. It's a shameless, it's a shameful self promoting life that I lead now. I mean, I feel like just you know. Although Twitter is kind of fun now. You love Twitter. Twitter's built it. for Pruszynski, is it not? It's actually yes. kind of fun. You know, because now, you know what's weird is now, like, because I've started tweeting and I'll send out, like, stuff. People that, like, I played with against, like, in minor leagues and with, they'll, like, tweet at me now. So now I'm, like, you're, like I'm reconnecting with people that I haven't talked to in 25 years. AJ Pruszynski putting the social in social media. Like That's what like, it does. Yes. When we talk, Kratz, when we talk with Votto later, he talks, I ask him, I said, hey. You know, you're on social media. You're big on, like, explain it to me. And he went through it and he said the main thing is connecting with people. Yeah, he gave you a tutorial. He did. Yeah. It was was great. Another great promotion, too. So, Joey Votto, we spoke to last night. We'll run it today for the first time. Everyone will get to see and hear. And it's gold. Also, Michael Harris, the second, joining us. Atlanta Braves star, uh, rookie of the year last year in the National League. About five minutes away from joining us. And Rob Thompson. Manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. It's a big no P. Big no guesses. P. Rob Thompson. I just said it real smooth. Thompson. Yeah, I know. Smooth. Brad's already yelled at us off the air. Listen, it's Rob Thompson. I get I told mean, about pronunciations almost every day, and I've been pretty perfect. Evan Drellick. Everyone says Drellich, which is which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I nailed it for him yesterday. We didn't even get to talk about it because we were so busy talking about his book. Everybody's gonna say Griffel though. They're no, Griffle's the, Griffle. Griffle's the new, the new thing. <laughs> sounds like it sounds like a character from Harry Potter. It does. But, no, the, for, but explain. But you got to explain, Kratz, what, how that happened because that was great yesterday. 
how Todd how Todd was reading it and said, "Who's Griffle? Yeah, who's this Griffle guy for the White <laughs> who's this Sox? Griffle? <laughs> Pedro Griffal. Yeah, well, but he's got to make a name for himself. Pedro hasn't won a game yet. He hasn't. He's ha- so so in Todd's world, he hasn't. You know, he's got to he's got to earn his full enunciation of his name. But I think the reason I think the reason AJ really likes Twitter is because AJ and Vado they're like high level trolls. And mm. like, oh, just wait. Just wait till you hear the interview. It gets, I'm, I'm it excited. Gets, it gets I a little, it uh, but no, it all in a fun. fun way. No, all yeah. in fun. After that, the interview, after you listen, Kratzy, and we just get to discuss it after the interview, I'm going to tell you what happened before we did the interview, <laughs> and you're going to be like, you're such an idiot. <laughs> I love and it. Scott was there for it, and Joey was there for it, and Todd, obviously, who's not here today, but was here for the interview yesterday. Yes. When you hear this story, you're going to be like, that is so you and so perfect. It's just a shame. It, it, it we'll, we'll get to it after the interview. Yes. It's an amazing interview by Joey Votto. And the, the, the stuff he says is just, it makes you stop and think. And you're like, wait, I have to reprocess that. <laughs> Agreed. I love it. He stops and thinks a lot, too, before he comes out with an answer that usually is gold. Yeah. And he's great. Great storyteller, too, Joey Votto. Perfect for a, for a podcast. So if there's one thing we do before Michael Harris II joins us, it's talk about the WBC really one more time. And say just two things on my end. Number one, viewership was off the charts, right? Even on FS1, just cable and all of that, not on Big Fox. And it peaked at six and a half million viewers between FS1 and Fox Deportes in the 1030 to 1045 but Eastern what was, range. The key to that is what happened in the 1030 to 1045? Otani v. Trout. Exactly. Yeah. The last inning. Okay. So now let's take So now that you can go to your next thing, which to I the know next it's level. My uh, former colleague, friend of mine. Chris Russo thinks that Trout Otani sucks. Boring. <laughs> I don't want it. No thanks. If it's on, I'm turning it off. I just host a show on MLB every day. I, I'm not even. I, if I mean, that's if that's not what you want, if you're not entertained, what does entertain you about baseball? Because let's say basketball, for example, right? We have let's say LeBron and MJ matched up, and MJ ended up playing great defense, and LeBron missed a shot. Would we be like, oh, that sucks because it wasn't a home run. Fuck that. I'm bored. No, because it was awesome. And first, well, I mean, Kratz, you're, we're similar ages. So, like, when I was growing up, there was, like, one NBA game on a week, right? And if MJ was playing Bird or Magic or Dominique Wilkins, it was like, I have got to turn this on and watch. NBA on NBC. Uh, yeah. Like, I have mm-hmm. to turn this on and watch it, right? But – this at bat was basically, I don't want to say once in a lifetime, but in that moment, in that situation, everything going on, there was no better matchup. And if you work, the thing is, you work on MLB Network. You host a daily show on MLB Network. And now, again, since I'm on Twitter, I get to see all the people's reactions. And they are absolutely blowing this guy up. And he deserves it. You're on MLB Network. Your job is to help the sport, make the sport more popular, and instead you're saying this was boring and you're talking about Kirk Gibson versus Dennis Eckersley in 1988, which is great, was an incredible at-bat, but let's be serious. This is what people were talking about all over everything. Connor McDavid, who is the biggest star in hockey right now, he was talking about the WBC. Why? Because he was into it. People were into this. So have, have a feel, Russo. Uh, 
just have a feel and know who pays your checks every two weeks because it's MLB, Major League Baseball Network, and those guys play for Major League Baseball. So it was an epic at bat because of everything involved, the two countries, the finals, teammates never faced each other, one-run game. I mean, that was one of the best. I mean, I I stopped. I mean, I I was watching the game, but my whole family was like, I got to see this. I know what he's going to say. AJ, I say what I want. That's that's what I, they let me say what I want, and I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. You know why he says that? Why? Because he wants everyone to talk about him. Yes, that's it. Yes, he, but no. But here's my thing. I, I'm putting that aside. Cool. Like Mad Dog, say what you want. That's always been part but of. Does his he career. watch baseball? Debatable. Um, he <laughs> didn't watch that. He wasn't interested in it. So, so you, you're he does doing, not watch nearly as much baseball as we do. Not even close. Okay, so let me. So you're doing a show. If I'm doing a show on baseball, yeah. I'm doing a show on bowling. I'm doing a show on I don't know bocce ball. And the, there comes a moment in time where the the two greatest bowlers, I don't even know Pete Weber, the guy would yell, and let's say Mookie Betts are playing, right? Yep. And Mookie Betts is a great bowler. They come down to it, and it's in the finals of some tournament. And I'm into bowling, and I'm doing a bowling show. I am watching that. Not only because I'm doing the show and it's my job, but also because I, assuming I like bowling, if I'm doing a daily show on bowling. So if you're on MLB Network, you should one like baseball, and two, you should should almost be a prerequisite to have to watch, even if you don't. But and then to come out and say, but you he didn't watched. Watch. He said he didn't like it. He he didn't. He wasn't into the Otani trap matchup. Like here's here's me, Kratz. So when I'm watching that game, trying to get we, follows. we complained about it a little bit. I said, hey, J- J- Japan's pitchers were freezing out the hitters sometimes, taking like 40 seconds. For me, that part, of course, I'm watching the game. I'm into the game and the drama. But I'm like, hurry hurry the fuck up. You know, it, it's taking too long. And now I'm already used to the pitch clock. Different take from the most epic matchup between the two top players of the past decade. And it ends in a strikeout and saying that's not for you. To me, that tiptoes the line of, I just don't like watching the sport at all. I, I don't think he even tiptoes the line. Either he doesn't like watching the sport or, like, even worse, like, he was on camera, off camera before it started and was like, <laughs> like the Grinch, like, I got a great take that's going to get everybody. Like, save that. Like, if that's what you're about, that's why I think, personally – I think the game gets tamped down too much. Like celebrate something that may never happen again in that exact situation. AJ hit it so much. Boom. Like that was a matchup for the ages. One run, three, two count. Like couldn't have scripted any better. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Hey, let's bring on our first guest of the day already. Michael Harris, the second from the Atlanta Braves, going to join us throughout the season. Super excited to have him with us on FT Live. Money Mike, how you doing? Where are you, by the way? You in the clubhouse? Looks good back there. Yeah, I'm in the clubhouse. I just finished BP. I'm doing good. How about yourself? Really dang, good. Dang, man, that clubhouse has changed since I played for the Braves at <laughs> Disney. We didn't even have places to sit. So you tell all those clubhouse guys they got it made, you know? Yeah. Hey, man, we didn't, even have, we didn't even have chairs. We didn't have a stool to sit on at Disney. <laughs> yeah, they, this is the new spot, so they upgraded a lot. Yeah, it's pretty cozy in here. What's the best part of the new spot? Like, what's the thing that all the guys are saying? Oh, now we have like the world's biggest sauna or like the coolest cafeteria. Is there anything like they did really cool out there? Uh, I mean, I can't, I can't speak for them, but they probably just appreciate having our own facility and don't have to go through a lot of people and a lot of traffic to get here. So it's like just having 
having the facility for ourselves to use every day and uh yeah just kind of being in our own our own spot michael you grew up in georgia right you're from georgia you grew up in georgia yes. now you get to play for the braves Are you, i mean yeah this has got to be the ultimate dream right i mean you even wore i gotta hear because on your i think it's on your instagram you have a you're graduating from high school and you have a braves jersey under your graduation robe like did you know the braves were drafting you or was that just like a hail mary like please draft me yeah, the crazy crazy thing was the Braves were like one of the teams that didn't talk to me the most. Like uh, I at least expected it until I guess a week before the draft they kind of started talking to me heavy. But uh, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't um, ask for a better situation to be in uh, being a Braves fan my whole life and then being able to put this jersey on and running around Truist every night. Well, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with high school too. Stockbridge High School. I said that right. Stockbridge. Yes. Are you now officially the best player to ever come through Stockbridge? Because I, I mean, you tell me, you tell me. I'm not going to answer that, but oh, come I, on. We also had Kyle Davies there. So me and him are the two guys that got drafted from there. Um, yeah. I can't answer the question, but that's what I, I can give you. But let's, let's put it this way. Kyle Davies had an eight year career. You have already surpassed him in value of a player. So, so I'll answer it for you. You have outlasted Kyle Davies, but he also had a successful career too. So I, I see what you did there, but look, like your your number, your number has got to be a little bit more a little bit larger on the score on the scoreboard when they when they retire your jersey there. No, it's the same. Same size. Same size? Yeah. Okay. I'll take so, that. Michael. How, you, oh, go ahead, Crouchy. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to ask about uh, one more thing, like who's the winner and who's the loser. Tell me about the golf outing, the team golf outing. Um, so everybody knows. Yeah, I mean, obviously my team won that. Uh, it's just That's just how it goes. I mean, we, we actually, we, we were down and we, we actually played phenomenal on the back, and I think we shot like eight under on the back to catch up with everybody else. So we went to like three playoff holes, and I ended up like parring the last hole by myself to, to beat the rest of the teams. The rest of the team bogeyed. So, uh, yeah, we, we won that, and, yep, that's that. We were probably the underdogs, but we won. Michael, I know we're kind of on the – we'll get to the brave stuff eventually here, but the high school stuff. Tell tell Eric Durbin if he's behind you that I've traveled more places than him too, so he'll, he'll love that. All right? When you see him, when he walks by, tell him that I, and I have better hair than him too. He'll hate Who that also. That? He's one of the clubhouse guys. One of the, for the clubhouse. Braves. Yeah, Eric. He's been there for a long he's time. He's been there for, since I was there. Well, you said – you said – you said Eric, who? Eric. Eric Durbin. Dean. If he's around, tell yeah. him I got better hair than him and I've traveled more places than him. Yeah, okay. I think he when just walked by, but – did he? Yeah. Yeah. So, so listen, we're, I'm going to stick on the high school thing a little bit. You, So you were going to Texas Tech, right? You signed with Texas Tech before you signed with the Braves. You were going to yes. be a vet. Now, they recruited you as a position player, correct? No, I was going to be two-way. Two-way. So why in the heck did LSU recruit you as just a pitcher? Like, explain that to me. Texas Tech said, well, right, we'll let you two-way. LSU's like, nah, you're just going to be a pitcher for us. And, and some MLB teams were talking to him about pitching versus, of course, oh. the Braves about being a position player, which worked out pretty well. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know why, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was like my dream school. So 
was kind of hoping that I could get the opportunity that I wanted there. And, uh, yeah, I kind of had to shut it down after the just just pitching yeah. thing. So I uh, just moved on. And they were they were actually the only team to offer me for just pitching. So it kind of kind of broke me that that was my dream school. Wait, I was did. it Paul? Was it Paul Maneri was the coach when you were when he was recruiting you? Honestly, I don't I don't remember that name. Okay, because he was the head coach there for a long time, Paul Maneri at LSU. Is he still there? No, he just retired. They have the guy from Arizona. Oh, okay. Um, so so. So it was an easy decision when the Braves drafted you. I signed out of high school. Kratz went to college as waste. <laughs> yeah. Right? I signed out of high school. So explain to the viewers out there what it's like when you sign as a 17-year, 18-year-old kid. You go to play in the minor leagues. You start in the Gulf Coast League. I started in the Gulf Coast League. Explain what that first – like for me, when I walked into the first day, I was like – it was eye-opening. I was like, oh, my gosh, what did I do when I signed? So like explain that journey, like especially the first couple months in the first year. Uh, for me, I think the first year was pretty smooth. Um, I guess once you sign, you just you sign your way over to them, and and now you're just it's just a grind, and you're just trying to get to your ultimate goal at that point. So, uh, you can't let anyone get in the way of that. You just gotta be a sponge to to whatever you need to improve your game every day. And uh, luckily that year, I got called up to Low A uh, like three weeks to the end of the season. So I gotta I gotta taste Low A before before COVID hit, and then. Um, after that, I got to go to the the alternate side. So I guess my my first year or first year and a half was kind of was kind of different from a lot of people. But yeah, I, when I signed, I knew I was I was just going to do anything possible to get to my ultimate goal. And then now I'm here. I guess three years later. Yeah, which is crazy. So uh, first off, on that, I wanted to ask you about Dana Brown and his impact because he's the one who scouted you. He's the one who goes to the Braves and says. This guy should be high up on our board. He's done an amazing job for years. He's now the GM of the Houston Astros. So for players to understand how a recruiting process and how a conversation with a scout goes and someone at a high level, of course, like Dana, what did you guys talk about? Like, do you go to dinner? Is it just a conversation, say, after a ball game? Are they talking to you just about the game, about life? Um. So, I mean, I feel like mostly everybody that's going to the draft um, has home visits. I had a home visit with the Braves, but he he didn't come. It was another another guy, our area scout. But um, he came to one of my games in high school. I, I pitched, and then I kind of had, like, a I guess a tough outing. Then I moved to the outfield, and I think I had a double and a triple, and then I was running around going to the gap and catching everything. So uh, that's where he kind of he kind of knew – my passion and, and what I could do in the long run. And that's why I guess I'm here to be an outfitter because he, he pushed hard for me and I really love him for that. And uh, I don't think I'd be in this position without without his um, input and uh, his decisions he made as well. So what's the relationship like now? I mean, I know he's a guy that likes to keep tight with his players, especially the ones that, that make it to this level and he makes an impact. Like, did you talk to him when he got the job with Houston? Uh, are you guys still kind of lifelong friends now? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I think it was right when he, like, a week when he got his new job with uh, Houston. Uh, we went to New York for the the uh, awards. So he was he was there, and we talked a little bit and chatted and just congratulated him on on um, what he's done and what he's gonna do for the for the Astros now. So I uh, really appreciated him and and what he's done for me in my career. So. Uh, Hopefully, I can see him do that for somebody else with the with the Astros. 
Yeah, man, that's true. Hey, uh, got a question for you with uh, your boy Vaughn getting sent down. Uh-huh. That's a uh, that's something that's never happened to AJ. He doesn't understand what it's like <laughs> to get sent down. <laughs> I had that happen four to five times a year, so I understand the awkwardness of it. And one, how close are you guys? And two, how how do you got how do you how do you handle that? How do you handle when somebody that close, a teammate that you know is going to be a huge impact on this team, gets sent down and you know doesn't make the team out of camp? Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel like nobody wants to be sent down. So uh, he came home and he, we were living together here in the spring. So he came home and told me after the game, and I honestly didn't believe him. I thought he was just joking with me, and uh, I got the notification like five minutes later, and. I don't. I don't know. It was. It was kind of weird. I don't think anybody expected it. So that was kind of the, the toughest part about it. But he handled it well, and uh, he's gonna. He said he's gonna go AAA and do what he needs to do to get back up, and I mean just, just grind to get back to um, where he wants to be. Did you give him any advice? Did you say anything to? I mean, like, was there like when you go when you guys get home at at, at dinner, and, and you're sitting around watching TV or watching whatever you guys watch? Like, do you, do you guys talk about it, or does it just kind of go away? Uh, kind of little, but it wasn't really a conversation. It was just like little pieces here and there. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, he's handling it well. He, I mean, he knows he can get that call at any point and can be back up. So, uh, he's just, he just said he's going to go out there and work and, and do what he needs to do to, to get back up with us. Michael, what's the one thing for people out there listening and watching? What's the one thing, like, do you have one thought when you hit? When you go up to hit, is there one thing that you're like, okay, I got one thought? Because Greg Walker, who's your guy's minor league hitting coordinator, who who loves you, by the way, I talked to him this morning, and he said, reminds me of Harold Baines. Now, I then I asked him, does Michael Harris know who Harold Baines is? Because you know Harold Hall of Famer went, but he played a while ago. So he said your 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 heartbeat doesn't change like Harold Baines. So is there one thing that you look at and you say, man, when I take in a bat, this is the one thought process going through my head? Because I know Greg was big on that. Uh, most of the time when I go up, I'm just thinking, uh, hit the ball the other way hard, and you just try to find a barrel, uh, hit the ball hard, and have my approach is up the middle the other way. So just staying through anything and really just trying to hit the ball hard and get on base somehow. Michael, what's the one quote that you always look back to? Is there a quote in your life, whether it's the way that you like to live your life or also something baseball related that you often use or recite? Um, I think I, I got my, my new favorite one this off season uh, from Luke Collier. Uh, we were hitting in the cage for an off season and uh, some people were having a tough day against the machine. So uh, I think he just, he just said, I don't know. He was like, don't let, don't let what you feel mess up what you know. Uh, so just, just trusting in yourself and, and trusting what you can do and instead of what's going on at the moment. Just, I mean, I don't really know how to explain it, but it made a lot of sense at the moment. And uh, a lot, all of us, all of us got the the message, and it really stuck with us. So is Luke? Isn't Luke Collier's son Cam Collier the guy who was yeah. a yeah. stud last year? So yeah, he's man, good. That's a pretty good guy you're working with if you're out there working yeah. with with Luke yeah. Collier. Is he is he based in Georgia? Yeah, they live in Georgia now. Okay, nice. So uh, you won Rookie of the Year last year for the Braves. 
What's the best thing that winning the rookie of the year got you? Whether it was like a, to meet somebody, whether it was like a purchase, whether it was, I don't know, to be an appearance. I know you do a lot of stuff in the Atlanta community, you recognize. So what's the one thing that, man, I'm rookie of the year. This got me, bam. Honestly, I don't know. I feel like I've just been doing the regular stuff I've always done, but mm, maybe it'll come soon, but I don't Nothing that really stuck out to me yet. You know what you're supposed to say? It got me an eight-year contract for $72 million. That's, <laughs> That's what true. it got me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the that. answer. I got that before, though, so I didn't. Oh. But, yeah, but the performance got you the rookie of the year, and therefore the performance got you the contract. So yep. you, yeah. Don't yeah. be shy. It's okay. You're rich <laughs> as hell now. <laughs> what, what, what was, though, for you, Mike? We always like to ask this, too. I mean, what was – one of the first purchases for you, whether it was for you, family member, or also just, you know, the day that you signed that. I think it's cool sometimes to document what that experience is like. You, you work your whole life towards a goal and you are allowed to celebrate those goals individually, even if players like to talk only mostly about the team during the season, whether it was the off season, is there a big family or friends dinner to be like, hey, like, let's celebrate that I'm now um, able to take care of myself and my family for a long time to come. Um, we didn't have like a, a big dinner or whatever, but for Christmas, I I just paid off my parents' mortgage and uh, relieved some stress off of them. So that's that's probably the biggest thing I've done since since signing the the deal. No, I love that. That's yeah. great. Hey, I, I had one more for you, Mike. Um, apparently, you've got a secret talent besides baseball. Uh oh. It starts with a B. Do you know where I'm getting? Yeah. What is it? See, I don't. I don't call it that. I just say pool. But is oh, that what pool. you? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Billiards, billiards, pool. Ah. Yeah. Well, I'm going. I'm not a pool guy, and you're right. Pool does sound much cooler than billiards. The article <laughs> said billiards, so that's why we have you instead to explain the talent. I mean, is it a handicap thing? Like, how do you measure how good you are? You say, oh, I can, I can get it done in eight shots. I guess it depends on how many balls are left on the table. Well, your how many your opponent has left. I guess it kind of dictates how how good you are, how how quick you went through the game. Um, yeah, I just I just always had one at the house, and I would I would go down there and practice with myself, do trick shots or whatever. So I guess um, whenever somebody challenges me, hey, I, grab I, hold on, grab Snit behind you. Grab no, Snit. he didn't yeah. just grab, grab Snit. Say Snit. <laughs> Come here, AJ wants to talk to you. He's still mad at you. Snit! <laughs> what are you mad at him about? I'm just kidding. I for him when he first got the job. Oh, true. It's like live look. Yeah, where'd he go? Did I think he he's, coming. Uh, he's, he's coming. Oh, he's coming? Yeah. Who's that? Is that Franco over there to your left, too? I see Franco. Tell him I'm mad at him. He gave me the finger in WBC. No, Franco. Franco isn't. Franco isn't in here right now. He's coming oh, okay. back. Okay. See, I see Snit. He's coming. Your, All right. See, live impromptu right here. Michael Harris yeah. getting us the Braves your, manager. Uh, picture at so he can see you. Snit. Put us on. Put us on the. Uh, Where put is us on the shot here, Gab. Snit. Can you hear me? Gab, put us on the shot. There, yeah, there I'm here. Yeah, where are you? Oh, there I'm you right are. right here. I'm in Orlando, oh. your old stomping grounds. How we doing? I, I know. I need my Raiders on. I can't see you. Oh, <laughs> that's better. Are you, doing is, uh, are you doing some kind of Zoom thing from your house? Yeah, absolutely. We're we got this TV show. We're gonna get you on with Michael. Okay. 
All right. You doing all right? I'm doing great. How about all you? Right, give me your prediction. How, you guys going to win the division? On the spot. That's what we're here go. for. That's yeah. right. That's a great that's answer. I told, that's what I told Michael a month ago. That's what we're here is to win the division again. Hey, Snit, one quick thing for you. What's the one thing from camp that we should ask Mike about? Like, what, what's what's Mike doing this this uh, spring that we he need to ask? He witnessed Travis's hole-in-one. Oh, <laughs> wow. We talked about that. We did that talk is about good. that. All right. Okay. <laughs> Mike, give us the play-by-play of Travis's uh, hole-in-one because there's no video proof. And so some yeah. people were te- texting us being like, if it's not on video, how do I believe it? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was like two holes ahead of them but i heard it when we were on the green i heard somebody i heard everybody screaming and i told <laughs> i told my group that somebody just made a great shot and yeah i heard it from two holes down so i know i knew it had to be crazy but i didn't see it that's great snit thanks buddy i'll okay. see you during the year Good all right, see you. Lord, tell all the right. family hi tell all the boys there i'll tell too. uh i'll tell walk i saw you yeah thank you okay see ya love that hey Mike, we appreciate you, man. It was great having you on. We're looking forward to having you on throughout the season. Enjoy the rest of camp. We'll talk to you during the year, right? All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers, man. Appreciate you. All right. I like that. Awesome. Snit's great. He's I I forgot. So was it his first year? Was it 2016? Freddie Gonzalez got fired in May. Of 2016. 2016, my last year. And Snit was the manager. The interim man. We were in Pittsburgh. And I get a phone call in the morning. I'm sleeping, like 9 o'clock. Phone rings, it's Freddie. And I'm like, it's weird. And I kind of didn't answer. And then about two minutes later, I'm like, oh, he left the message. It's kind of, did I like get released or traded or something? And he said, hey, I'm, I got fired. Like, I'm being let go. I'm flying home. And I'm like, called him back. I'm like, oh, I don't know. You know what, what do you say? I'm sorry, man. Like, I you know, love playing for you. Yeah. And then I was like, well, dang, I wonder who the manager was. Because there was rumors it was going to be Terry Pendleton. If something happened to Fred, what was his job on the team? He was third base. Uh, third, no, he was first base coach. First base, first base coach. Okay. And then it ended up being Snitten and then, uh, TP took over as bench coach. Eddie Perez moved from bullpen to first base, and uh, yeah, finished out the year with Snit. Snit's great. He is. He, he was. I'll say this: when he when he took over for the Braves, my my last it was my last year. It was his first year. He got thrown into the fire. We sucked. Right, he got thrown into the fire. So he wasn't what I've seen now. What I've heard about him wasn't what he was that year because, he, I mean, he was he was in, we started zero nine that year. We were terrible. We had no players. Your team wasn't good. That's what I'm saying. We were terrible. You you can I be was the terrible. best manager on the planet if your team sucks. But he, I'll say this: he handled it like a champion, and I played for him. And every time I see him, he's a great great guy, great human being, and he'll talk to you, and you know, just. One of the good guys in baseball. Heck, he's done it for 40-plus years in the Braves organization, so he got an opportunity, and, you know, then he comes on camera, like, great. Yeah, very easygoing, laid back. I love his answer. Are you guys going to win the division? Well, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Hey, Snit, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's media trained at this point. Exactly. He's been doing it for a while. You know how managers are these days. I mean, they do three, four interviews a day. I mean, you're doing at least two just with the – with the writing press alone yeah. before and after the game. And then usually he'll do at least something with the TV and the radio crew. So and then has to deal with us sometimes. It's a lot. I mean, randomly when he's walking through the locker room and we tell Michael Harris yeah. to grab him. That's the first time we had a player on in the uh, clubhouse. Thing. Yeah. I like that. And Eric, the guy I was texting Eric Durbin, the clubhouse guy. And he's like, I'm scared to come on TV. And he's like, You're, I go, go to Michael Harris's locker. 
He said, he's not there. I'm like, well, I'm talking to him live. He's definitely so he's better there. in the locker room. Go that, find him. You know what's funny is, so sometimes for me, if I tell someone like, oh, sorry, you know, because I've missed so many things and like, I can't go, whatever. At least I have like the very easy excuse of, I'm not lying. If you turn on your television exactly. right now, I'm there, right? Like for the first five, six years, like MLB never gave me a weekend off, which whatever, you, you know what it is. But I'd be like, I can't go to anything like party, wedding, whatever, you name it, I can't go. So it's not, every once in a while, your friend might get pissed, right? Why can't you go? Um, turn on the TV. Yeah. I'm on a show. Same. same. I mean, doing the game, the Fox games on right. Saturday, right? Exactly. People are like, oh, let's go to the beach this weekend. I'm like, I got to work. They're like, you don't even have a job. And I'm like, dude, turn on your TV at seven o'clock on Saturday night. You'll hear me. And I'm in San Francisco. So you know why I can't go to the beach this weekend. Exactly. You want to go during the week? I got a shot. Not anymore. Because <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry for the two <laughs> hours of your life that we are taking up on a show. But no, I mean, for a clubby to say, hey, Mike's not at his locker. Um, he's live. I even sent him a picture. YouTube. I'm like, I'm talking to him now. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Good. good stuff though. You know what I liked when he said about, about uh, Von Gris? I'm like, it's a hard, cause I, you know, Eric Kratzy joked that I never got sent down. Well, 1999 with the twins, I was living with two other guys. They both made the team. I did not make the team. So I, I know that feeling of being the guy that didn't make the team and your, your roommates are like packing up to go to Minnesota. They leave like a week before everybody. And they're ready. They're excited. Is it's it the awkward? First opening day. I mean, just because they're your buddies, they're not. Yeah. But it's still a little bit. But his answer was good. Like we we talked about it. He's like, "I'll be back." Sound like Von Grissom had a great, you know, great mindset for it. But man, it is. It's just. It's. It's. I think it's. It's might be stranger for the the guy that makes the team than the guy who gets sent down. Because the guy who gets sent down. It's like, okay, I know what I have to do, but the guy, you feel bad as the guy that made the team. And he lives with him. It's That's not what I'm saying. Like you live with him. You can avoid each other. Like, they, they live together. So, it's different. Hey, Kratzy, how you doing, man? Oh, special guest, good. Eric Kratz. Yeah. He got but sent we... down during the Michael Harris interview. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no surprise there. Don't hey. worry. We only had the manager on without you. We had yeah. the great. Oh, by the way, now we have, we're going to have He's Rob Thompson. Right we're going to have Rob Thompson, so now we can get him to – React to what Snit said, so it's going to be great. Yes, this is good. We're just flying around the NL East right now from from Harris and Brian Snicker to Philadelphia Philly skipper Rob Thompson joining us right now on FT Live. Rob, great to see you, and your boy Kratz, he's been very excited to, to have a little conversation. How is camp going, and are you still waking up at, what was it, you used to tell me, 2.33 in the morning, something like that? What's the wake-up schedule? Well, first of all, camp's going very well. Um We've had a lot of really good performances from from guys that are trying to make the club, and um, and yes, I'm waking up at three three thirty in the morning and getting to work and getting the stuff done. Rob, it hasn't been that great in camp. Like you've watched the WBC, you go out to your games at <laughs> one o'clock, and you're like. This game is way more boring than the WBC. I wish they would have asked me to manage Team USA. <laughs> no. Well, I'd, I'd be Team Canada. I wouldn't be Team USA because I'm a citizen. You, you, you have squatter's law. Squatter's <laughs> law. You'd automatically be American. You're uh, barely yeah. in Canada. They don't, you, don't even know, you don't even know how to buy a Molson ice. I went into your – you don't have any Molson ice <laughs> in your cooler, in your office. So I do not, know. They are going to take your – they're going to take your, your Canadian card away. Yeah. Well, it was, a, it, it was a little stressful during the WBC because all our guys were there. and and uh, But now we got them back, and they're healthy, and they're playing today. So uh, I'm excited to see them for sure. 
Rob, we had Miles Michaelis on yesterday, and we I asked him was the were the Cardinals America's team, right? Because they had Goldschmidt, Arnado, Wayno, and himself. They had four. Well, you guys were America's lineup, right? With yeah. Turner, Rio Muto. I mean, you know, Schwarber hitting bombs, you know, doing yeah. crazy stuff out there. So I mean, no, our guys, our guys played well. They really did, and and uh, they really enjoyed it. I, I was talking to them this morning. This was the first day back, really, for them because they traveled yesterday. And um, they really enjoyed it, and they really enjoyed meeting those other players, all of the other great players on the U.S. team, and and getting some real competition, you know, and, and getting their getting their blood flow up a little bit uh, early in the season. So, Did, all in all, it's it's all good. They're healthy, and uh, I'm happy they're back. Were you worried though at all? I know people, you know, we saw the Edwin Diaz thing. Were you worried? Yeah. I mean, how worried are you as a manager that your guys something could happen? I mean, something could happen in a spring training game yeah. today, God forbid, right? So how worried yeah, no, were you no. because the intensity is higher? Yeah, you know, and, and that early in camp, um, you know, they, they left here. I forget what day it was that they left. But, um, yeah, you're worried about it every day that something's going to happen and, and it's not on your watch. And and now, you know, we've only got you know, five or six days left to, to ramp them back up and get them planned, uh, get them used to playing daily um back-to-backs and things like that jt hasn't played back-to-back yet uh turner has but uh schwab hasn't so we got to get them kind of ramped up in a in a in a way that's not going to put them in uh, in harm's way your mind is always churning about baseball and the next thing you know as a bench coach you are always ahead of the game now as a manager when you watch the wbc have you had any thoughts of changing where Trey Turner's going to hit in your lineup based on not the way he was minute. banging no, the ball? He's not going to hit ninth. He asked me that this morning. He said, are you hitting me ninth now? Or I said, no, I, I think we'll put you in the leadoff spot. And let's get on base for those other big thump guys coming up behind you. Well, he was the best nine-hole hitter in the world. So, I mean, you might, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That might be a, something to think about. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I'm, I'm not sure if our owner would appreciate a $300 million player hitting nine. <laughs> Ask him. <laughs> you won't. You won't. Hey, I actually have a question about that. Um, I've spoken to your owner, John Middleton, before uh, of the team. He's got, in my mind, might be the most knowledgeable baseball owner um, in terms really of the is. actual game itself. So yeah. can you give us some insight? You know, this is one of the guys I think that should be celebrated, in my mind, seriously, for someone who cares about the game, he's spending on the team. I know he has conversations with you, with the players, everyone else. He watches the games. Can you just give us a little insight on your relationship with him and what he's like? And and he shags balls in the outfield during batting practice and picks up balls. He's he's an incredible person. He really is. And and I, I when I introduced him at the start of spring training, I said, I said, in my mind, he's the best owner in baseball. And I said, John, I don't have to say that. You just signed me to a two-year extension. So I don't really have to say that. I'm going to say it anyway. But he is, he is, he's incredible. And he's, he's got a passion for the game and a passion for the city of Philadelphia, um, the Philadelphia Phillies. He doesn't want to win one world championship. He wants to be, he wants his organization to be the best organization in the history of the game. And that's, that's how passionate he is about it. So, Rob, you, you were – now as the manager of the Phillies and now that you've kissed up to the owner, which we all can appreciate here. <laughs> no, it's real. <laughs> you were – I don't know if a lot of people know this. You said that 2022 was going to be your last year as bench coach. Yeah. Well, now you're the manager. Was that like a – did you go to Middleton and say, listen, dude, like, no. you don't hire me as manager, I'm out? So, like, what happened here? I mean, That's leverage. You were, you were supposed to be out. Now you're – it's a two-year deal. Yeah, I, I mean, I – 
I don't know. I, I was just, I just felt like going into last year, I felt like uh, I was just getting a little stale and I felt like, you know, I was doing the same thing over and over again. And maybe there was a better way to do it. A younger guy come in and run camp and, and help these guys get prepared a little differently and spice it up a little bit. But, and then all this stuff happened and, and um, you know, my, my love for the game, if, if you want to call it that, came back, my passion for it. And, um, you know, I just really enjoyed being here and doing this and being with these players. And, and we got a great group. Great. They have fun. I couldn't wait to get to the ballpark every day. And you became the manager, which you hadn't been for years. And you guys were two games away from winning the World Series. We get it. You want to stay around. I get it. <laughs> no. I want to know, I'm, I'm revisiting the whole Middleton thing. And when you said, I'm going to reiterate what you said about him being like a great baseball person. Like that whole ownership group is incredible people starting yeah. from Mr. Montgomery. I don't know if you knew David before he passed away, but like, yeah. and the Middletons have passed that on. But yeah. what I want to know is about his speech. We need to hear about, cause I've heard from several players that his speech was in their words, Absolute fire at the um, at the beginning of spring training before spring training. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And he just he really said what I just said is that he loves the players. Um, he loves the Phillies and he wants to be the greatest organization in the history of sports. He wants to do it for for many, many years. He, um, and and it's it's true. That's who he is. And he's put a lot of money into this in this club and he's, he's put a lot of heart into it and passion into it. Uh, he's just, he's really a, a great man and, and uh, he cares a great deal. Hey, Rob, I want to ask you about when you signed that extension, just plain and simple. And I like to get this from most, like, what did you do to celebrate? And obviously I remember I was there covering the fills and yeah. you had to get ready for the game. But then after the season, I mean, you got to crack a bottle of wine, champagne, go out to a dinner. Like there's got to be something, maybe there's a little purchase made. What was uh, the celebration like for you? Um, really did didn't do anything because we, you know what, really what we were, when we were done the, the world series we were back on the road and we were interviewing turner all the shortstops and we were on zooms so it really didn't stop um then we had to go to winter meetings and um it really didn't stop and i guess my wife and i went out to dinner and, and celebrated but that's about it i didn't I didn't really change my lifestyle or buy anything fancy or anything like that i just that's just kind of who i am you just kind of were like, oh, I'm the big league manager. It's no no problem. Like, no, not a big <laughs> difference for me, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> Trey Turner's been absolutely electric. You brought him in. You guys went to the World Series. The atmosphere in Philadelphia, I was at the, one of the games in Philadelphia. It got rained out, of course. It was Halloween night. So, But even before the game, we just had Brian Snicker on. We asked him, are you guys going to win the division? He said, well, that's what we're here for. So here you go, putting you on the spot. Are the Phillies going to win the division with the Mets, the Braves, Phillies, Marlins aren't, you know, terrible. The Nats are not good. Marlins aren't terrible. Between those three, you guys going to win the division? Well, that's the plan. That's it. I mean, that's such manager <laughs> that's speak. I mean, that's what everybody should say, really. If you're not saying that, then I don't know who you are, but you probably shouldn't be in this chair. Fair. That's fair. Now I want to go back to the Turner thing. You glossed over that. You were like, yeah, you know, we signed a deal. I didn't buy anything because I'm boring. And we went and talked <laughs> to Trey. 
tell me about, take us into those conversations and don't give me the, well, we really like what we've done. You really would slot in. Like he would slot in in left field for you if Schwarber would move to DH. Like what are those conversations? How do you, how do you approach that guy? Cause you've, I don't think you've ever been in that situation, right? You've always been the bench no, coach. And the way we approach it was we just wanted to get to know the player and wanted the player to get to know us. And, um, that's really what it was all about. We want to meet all the wives of all the all the players and, and let them know about the city and about where they live and or where they where the good places to live are and how long it takes to get to the ballpark and whether you know all all the little things that that go into uh, kind of recruiting a guy, I guess, um, so that they feel comfortable with us and with with the situation that we're in. Um, you know, and, and we knew enough about the players really that that we didn't really have to dive in and into their lives all that much. But um, but they were all good. I mean, we we met all four of them, and they were all excellent and and, and really you know tremendous players and tremendous people too, and, and very intelligent people. So, uh, but Trey was really the guy that for me he was the guy that I kind of wanted the most just because of. He's just such a high on base guy, and we just didn't have that guy at the top of the order. And not that Trey's just an on base guy, because obviously he's got he's got the slug in there too. Um, but he was kind of the guy that I had my finger on. And does that does that conversation look like like Are you taking? Is it you and Middleton going? Are you know no, Sam Fold going? Dave and, and Sam was was on a couple of trips and, and Kevin Long was on uh, the trip out West cause he lives in Arizona. So he, he met us out there and, and we talked to all of them and they were great conversations. They really were. And they, you know, we were there probably an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours and just to get to know each other. Is it at their house? Is it, you know, do you go out to dinner? Do you cook? Uh, I don't, <laughs> I do not cook. I'm Nothing? Not a, no, no. Hot dogs? Well, you got to do better than hot dogs if you're throwing a three hundred million dollar offer out. But uh, you know, one was at uh, we went to Trey's house, and then we met uh, Xander Bogarts and and Carlos Correa out in California at a hotel. And I missed the Dansby Swanson meeting because my Air Canada flight uh, was delayed, so uh, <laughs> I, I just went home. But that was I think that was at a restaurant as well. Hey, Rob, I want to ask you about Bryce. How's he doing? And is he one of those guys that's going to go up to you and to the front office every few weeks and be like, yeah, you know what? Let's push the timetable up by a month or so. What do you think? He's doing great. He really is. And he's, he just start, started a soft toss program in the cage. And he'll progress to um, BP in the cage and then BP on the field and then velocity and breaking balls and all that stuff. And I, I'm not really uh, too worried about the – um, about the hitting aspect of it. It's more sliding and jamming that your hands. And, and he's such an aggressive player and, and runner that, um, you know, that's, that's the thing that kind of worries me the most, but he's doing very well. And, and he's, he's right on schedule at this point. You guys didn't put him on the 60 day DL. Is that IL? Sorry. Is that, is that, to give Philadelphia hope, is that because Bryce said you're not putting me on the 60 day in case? No, it's just it just keeps our options open in case something happens and he's he's you know ready way before that 60 day IL would finish. 
So you're saying there's a chance. That's right. You never know. <laughs> I love to hear it, Topper. Hey, uh, Rob, so last one on my end is give me one prediction. Obviously, we, we got the team stuff aside player-wise. Like, this guy's going to break out or – this guy might steal 30, 40, 50 bags or hit, or Trey might hit 40 home runs this year, whatever. Just give me one prediction in your mind that you could see giving us a guide of how Phil's camp is going or just a feel for a guy that you think is going to do something special this year. I think, I think you'll see Nick Castellanos come back and have a big year and be the Nick Castellanos of old. He's really had good at bats. Um, you know, his average isn't all that. It's a small sample, but um, he's not jumping at the ball like he did last year. He's not chasing so far in spring training. He's he's staying back. He's got more walks than he's ever had in his life, um, and he's and he's driving the ball again. So I really expect Nick to to come back and, and be the player that we that we knew and we've seen in the past. Rob, last thing for me, uh, first game I ever did on Fox was a Tampa Bay or Yankees at Tampa Bay. And I got along, got to talk to you for a long time. And you told me that Aaron judge is the closest thing you'd ever seen to Derek Jeter makeup wise. Right. Which I tell people that all the time and they're amazed because of judge, but is there a guy on the Phillies that you look at and you say, man, he has the makeup of one of those two guys. I think probably the closest guy would be Schwarber. I really do. He's, he's such a team guy and he's so professional and, you know, he brings young kids in and, and, and gets them to mesh with everybody else and makes them feel comfortable. And, um, he's very accountable to himself and he holds other people accountable in a very good way. Um, yeah, he's just, he really brings people together. He's, he's, he's a special guy. Yeah. And you hear that answer pretty frequently yeah. about Schwarbs. Hey, Rob, this was great. Enjoy the rest of spring training and uh, good luck on opening day. And then we uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, guys. See you Rob, soon. I'll see you in Dallas, buddy, on April 1st. So get oh, right, right away. Ready. There you go. Have your answers ready for me. <laughs> I will. All right? <laughs> I will. Appreciate it. Thanks, see you soon, Rob. See you. Nice. Uh, first off, for me, you know, we are an open book on this show. So on, you know, called out. Mad Dog at the top. We'll do whatever we want throughout the day. Um, some owners say ridiculous shit. I did want to point out, like, John Middleton's a star owner. Yeah. He, he doesn't always want the attention like that, although, you know, but he'll he'll go up and have a good conversation with you. So it's worth pointing out there are stars. Like, not not everyone that owns a team is just thinking about dollar signs all the time. Like, I even had I, – I was in an Uber during the World Series at one point. And the Uber driver told me he worked for John at one of his companies years back and could not stop talking about how amazing he was, did some stuff to take care of his family, like person-to-person -person care. In my mind, this is one of the things that I've gone off of. Like I asked Michael Harris a quote for him. What do you go off of that you really kind of stick by? For me, it's, it's not hard to be nice. It's not hard to be nice. And I think someone like Middleton's the perfect example. You hear it time after time. And he stands out too. He makes him and some others make other people, other colleagues of his, and I, by that I mean owners, he makes them look bad because he's just a good dude. He knows the game. He's around the team. Of course, someone like Steve Cohen's like that too, right? Player goes on the IL. Some owners are like, not doing anything and it's almost like he's dead to me but he and spends. Steve's got you know physical therapy and and but he uh, spends. 
and a chef and a right, nutritionist because he, he cares. He yeah. genuinely he wants you can to do win. both though. Perhaps, right. right? He wants to win, obviously. Yeah. He's a good guy from everything that we've heard. Yep. He cares for his players, right? But what's the number one thing that players want? They want you to spend money and they want you to try to win. And he does it both. He went out and got Bryce Harper, right? They didn't get who they wanted, so who'd they go? They went out and got Schwarber. They went out and got Castellanos. Who was the big splash this year? Trey Turner, right? They locked up. You know, they got some pitchers coming up. Tywan Walker, nice signing. Yeah, Tywan Walker. But they've got, you know, Nola and these other guys coming up. He's going to have to make some decisions. They locked up Rio Muto. Yep. So he does it right. And, and Citizens Bank Park is awesome. I mean, they'll sell it out every night. There'll be fans throwing cheesesteaks on you and, you know, visiting teams and all that. But it's an awesome <laughs> atmosphere. But that's because he spends. Same with the Mets, right? He spends. On the team and on the team. Do you know what yes, I'm saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. On yes. the roster and making sure that the facility doesn't have bullshit. I mean, he did hire Eric Kratz as a radio guy, so there is one questionable right. kind one, of thing. one mistake. It's fair. He's fair. That's why I got <laughs> fired, though. I got more of a face for TV, so it's one of those oh, things. True. I mean, but but there's so there's so many things that are outside of Rob Thompson that I would love to, you know, just dive into, but you know, Topper is so Topper's so amazing himself. But with with the Middletons and with the Phillies in general, it, it kind it goes back to what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Like, do you spend to have a good team, or do you treat people well and spend to have a good team? To me, everybody's going to lose. Everybody's going to make errors. Everybody's going to strike out. Every pitcher, you know, is going to have a bad game. How do you treat those guys in those moments? And the Middletons, not just, you know, he's the face of the ownership. There's so many more faces of that ownership. Mr. Montgomery, the Bucks, you know, ownership people that have come through there that have treated the Phillies and their families so good. The story, I mean, I have so many stories of Mr. Montgomery, but they're, they're a group making decisions. They built the new stadium and it's funny that Topper, you know, said about, you know, how far is the drive for the wives and all that stuff, recruiting those players, because they built Citizens Bank Park, I think, in 2004. I'm not 100% sure on that. And the player parking lot is kind of, it's over on the third base side. And you drive into player parking, there's a, low, there's a below level deck, and then there's an above level deck. The wives and the players park on below level, and there's a separate entrance that goes up a ramp or it goes down a ramp, and you walk to the clubhouse. Kind of the same ramp, AJ, if you ever played there, that you walk you know, to the visiting one, you go by the home clubhouse. You go by it, down that ramp, and you go right into the home clubhouse. If you turn right and you go up the ramp, the very first thing you run into is the child care the family lounge and they they build it just for that and to me that sends so many positive messages to the people that are coming there that look we want you because you're a really good player but we also want you to be comfortable and be here for a long time so we're going to take care of everything that you need to you know certain extents but we want to take care of you because this is the kind of environment that we want to treat people really really well at so they don't pay for their Wi-Fi is what you're telling me. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, <laughs> even, even, like, even like the spring training, wives' dinners and wives' brunches and like the, there's a spring training golf outing. 
that that the that the ownership group um, throws every year. They didn't through COVID, um, but after that, they they and when I played there every year, completely paid for meal, drinks, prizes like real prizes too, not like oh the winning team gets a box of Pro V ones. The losing team gets a box of Pro V ones. That's how good the Whoever gets the last place gets a box of Pro V1s. That's how good the prizes are. Like, it's legit stuff. And it is it is so – it's sad for me when the organization was losing so many games that because I know the people that are in the front office, the people that are in ownership, and to me they made some bad hires and it set the organization back. But through all that – Middleton being an incredible person, it's so ironic that we're talking about it today after we talked about the the Astros and the shambles they were in, you know, and, and how they treat people. It's kind of real disjointed. It's not like that. And I think the Middletons are able to, you know, funnel that back into success. And I would I would have a tough time betting against them, you know, being successful in the next 10 years. Yeah, and you're trying to build a powerhouse. That's how you do it. You That's what matters to players, too. Yeah. Like, it matters. Like, family rooms, planes, Wi-Fis, um, <laughs> you know, where you park. Um, that stuff does matter to people. And people will make decisions on that kind of stuff because not every team is equal in that. And if you have a, a team that flies first-class seats for everybody and, and has better child care and it puts you in better spots and does better things, it actually does affect you to what you think about signing there because – there are differences, and trust me, if your wife ain't happy and your kids ain't happy, you ain't happy. That's right. Preach it. All right, a few, a few fan bases are not happy today, so let's swing back to the news. We'll start with Adam Wainwright. Derek Gould with this tweet. He's going to open the year on the injured list. It's a groin strain. Ali Marmo, manager, telling everyone this morning in Jupiter at their spring training home. And how did he get it? You read it. Well, first of all, let's. Get, I'm going to say this. Yes, thank you. He did not get hurt pitching in the WBC. So before the trolls out there go, ah, the dumb WBC, got another guy hurt. No, he got hurt working out to get ready for his next start with the Cardinals. It was in Miami, but he was working out. He clarified, Wayno clarified that because he had so much fun in the WBC. I think he didn't want any more negative stuff put on it. But he got hurt working out, which he does. And then he came back and they evaluated him and he said, well, I'm Going to miss a couple weeks, uh, which sucks for him because more than anything, he I know he I think they had him lined up to start the Bush Stadium opener in his last year. And for Adam Wainwright, who's been with the Cardinals his whole career, his whole major league career, that would have been a special moment for him taking the field at Bush Stadium to start the home opener. So I'm very upset for that. But get well soon, Waino, and uh, can't wait to see a pitch again. And blame the weight room. Say, hey, it wasn't my <laughs> weight room. Lone Depot, get it together. The ballpark. Uh, pretty nice weight room. No, it is. Though. It is. <laughs> it's a tough blow though Kratzy for the Cardinals um, I would say the biggest weakness on that team by far is their starting rotation it's also not a swing and miss starting rotation which is fine but at the same time this year more contact is going to get through that matters too so teams that do have a solid balance of swing and miss is, it's going to help I think the Cardinals are looked at as the top of the division in the National League Central, and people should maybe think about that a little bit. Like, the Brewers' rotation is significantly better than 
St. Louis. Um, the division as a whole is one of the worst just because of what it looks like at the bottom. But but those teams are getting a little bit better. Like they're not on their way down, even though they're down here. They're, they're like slightly ticking up. Remember, I, I have the Reds a little bit better this year than what Vegas says. I think the Pirates are still going to be terrible, but they'll be a little less terrible. So my point is, I just don't think it's going to be a, a cakewalk for St. Louis. Not a team that's that's going to put up massive, massive run scoring output. And I think their starting pitching is is in some trouble right now. Like the St. Louis Cardinals fan base is going, Jake Woodford, let's go, baby. I mean, he hasn't done much yet. <laughs> and I think Miles will pick up some of that slack yeah. too. But start like I, I think we have to make sure we compare apples to apples. Like they're starting pitching compared to the fact that they have two MVP candidates in their lineup. It's pretty, you know, it's a tough comparison. And you're right, they might not bang the ball around the ballpark like the Phillies, but they're still going to do some damage. And I think if there's one team that can mitigate any kind of innings loss or shift shift issues, I mean, you have gold at first and you have gold at third. That is so valuable. I know shortstop and catcher are huge, huge, you know, defensive positions, but I think – your big plays, your big issues when you have guys that don't have, con- you know, that don't have a lot of uh, swing and miss, it's more contact pitchers. The down the line doubles where those guys aren't able to cover their cover their lanes very well, and I think that's one way to mitigate it. But yeah, I think I think the central is going to be more of a dogfight than than people, you know, if if Yelich starts coming through, if they can figure out who's uh, you know who's going to protect. Anybody in that lineup for the Brewers, the starting pitching, they're going to strike some dudes out. So they could care less where people are shifted. Yep. You forgot about Flaherty's back, healthy. Matt's is healthy right now. Montgomery He's, was huge for the Cardinals. I mean, their starting pitching ain't that bad. No, it's not I mean, you're bad. You're treating but, them like you're talking about them like you were talking about the USA pitching for the WBC. Yeah, it's probably pretty on par starting rotation-wise. I, I mean, Michaelis is pretty good. Been an all-star a yes. couple times. Flaherty's got the stuff to be one of the best. That's just more. No, I Matt's, like Jack. More of an injury concern. Montgomery there. was unbelievable Matt's, for him down I'm, the I'm stretch. I'm sorry, I like Steven, but how, over under, over under ten and a 20, half starts. Over, I'll take over on that. Ten and a half? Do we? No, don't. Yeah, don't say ten and a half. Now you're, you're being Russo now. So stop. Twenty-four and a half starts. Under. I'll take. I'll take about twenty-five. Take so you're going over? over. Over. I'll take over twenty-five. Okay. Misses. I love. I love starts. what Montgomery did That's a month. Yeah. I love what Montgomery did when he went over there. So, you know, maybe they did a raise thing where they unlocked it and, you know, he started throwing more more of the breaking balls. That's, you know, more of that down slider. It's a it's an awkward breaking ball where it's like, you know, it looks like it's spinning like a slider, but it just goes straight down. So, I mean, he had a lot of success. But Flaherty coming off the IL for how long? How long was he a whole year out or is he more than a whole year? No, he pitched know. a little bit last year. A little bit last year, yeah. It's, just a he's had bit? some trouble staying on the field. Also, let's let's not sleep on the fact that I said it was the weakness on the team. Yeah, that's yeah. all I said. I mean, the the offense pretty good. The defense they're exceptional. Off- Dude, tell me who's. I mean, in that division, their offense: Goldschmidt, Arnauto, Contreras. That's my point. My New point bar. was that the starting pitching is the concern. 
for the Cardinals and for their fan it's base. Only you don't have top end. You don't have top end stuff. Not like no, Jack, dude. Jack Flaherty's got some of the best stuff in the game. Okay, so he's got to stay on the field. It's yeah, just, we got. It's not a it team. First. It's it's when you match up their rotation against some other rotations. It's it's fine. I'm I'm just saying it's fine. And depth wise, it's not great either. I know when we're talking AL Central down. later for betting, but you're gonna pick against the Cardinals to win the Central NL. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty close with them in Milwaukee. No? You don't think so? Michaelis didn't think so. I He's giving listen, me a look. Kratzy, you know, back me up here. You know, I think the Brewer, Brewers you know, are going Here's be... the thing. Kratz, once a Brewer, always a Brewer. You know, I was a Cardinal, so once a Cardinal, always a Cardinal. I'm the middle ground. I yeah, don't give a shit about you're anything. Just not, you're just not very smart. You think the Cardinals are going to run away with the division? Win I by think 10, the Cardinals games? will win the division by seven-plus games. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna. Set, I was gonna ask you if you think they were gonna win by six or not. That's yeah, so funny. Seven that plus games. Seven. I mean, now listen. Things can happen. Guys can get hurt. I get it. But if you look at the two teams, you're gonna. You can't I, listen. I know the Brewers' starting staff is great. Like Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. Those guys are great, right? But the Cardinals have always been kind of able to beat the Brewers for forever, right? They, they just kind of have. Okay, and then. When I go lineup versus lineup, yeah, it's not close. It's not even close. I mean, there's not, there's no comparison between the two. I mean, William Contreras, Wilson Contreras. I'll take Wilson catching, Goldschmidt over Rowdy, Arenado whoever plays over whoever plays third for the Brewers, Arias whoever, right? I mean, Tyler O'Neill in left versus Yelich. Yelich won an MVP. Jordan Walker might win Rookie of the Year. You, yeah, I mean, there's 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 some studs on the Cardinals lineup, and their bullpen, Helsley. Uh, Hicks coming at throwing a hundred. I mean, they got they've got a pretty good roster. I agree. My point is the Brewers' rotation is better. It's not enough. They the got to score some rotation. runs somehow. I understand. It's a different brand of baseball. It, it, to me, it's Can't not win every close. game two to one. It's not close right now, though. Their rotation and the Cardinals' rotation. Oh, the rotation is definitely better for Milwaukee. But I don't the, even think it's close. That's the one edge that they have. It's the one edge. Okay. I'll take the Cardinals seven. Burns, top three pitcher in the sport. Woodruff, a one. Freddie Peralta, on most teams, I mean, he's a three on his. On most teams, probably a two, stuff-wise. Yeah, full menu Freddie. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now now keep, keep going. Who's four? How's Ashby can't pitch. He can't stay healthy. Ashby just started his career. You're going you're gonna to say, their oh, four? I'm Who's so their excited about pitcher? Flaherty, and you're going to – Who's their fourth pitcher? Hauser. Adrian right? Hauser was yeah. He's Adrian good. Hauser's Adrian Hauser to me has done more than Monty with the Cardinals. So I mean, if yeah. you're if you're going apples to apples, now Monty came over to St. Louis and was he he was a huge pickup, and I know Bader was a huge pickup for the Yankees, but the starting rotation is legit. Don't forget Wade Miley at five. Okay, Eric That's Lauer right. was great at the yeah. beginning of last year. His hold stuff on, dipped on, down on, a little on. bit, but. Their rotation. Hold on. There's hold some on. depth in hold there on. too. Hold on. What? We're gonna say that Jack Flaherty can't stay healthy. Wade Miley can't stay healthy. Yeah, yeah but, but Jack's you, being yeah, relied on to be the one. Wade's yeah, being relied on Jack to be the five. Jack Flaherty's six. not starting opening day, is he? For the Cardinals, do we know that? Who is? It might be Jake Woodford. It's gonna be Miles Michaelis. Okay, Michaelis, and in your well, mind, who's better, Michaelis or Freddie? Oh, Freddie. Stuff wise, Freddie. Stuff wise, probably Freddie. To me, it's like Freddie is is like your Flaherty, where the stuff's really good there, and both of them have dealt with some injuries the last couple of years. But above that is Woodruff and Burns. Below that, 
Miley, Ashby, Hauser, Lauer. Ashby, Ashby's hurt, so he doesn't count. Okay. Still, the rest of the guys I just said. I don't. I don't think it's close. That's all. That's they, they better hope them the dudes Cardinals throw nine innings every game and or eight innings to get the Devin Williams. Fine. Did you watch after they traded Hater yes, last year? But they did some work they, on it. They, they they were like, I don't even know what I. I don't have anything here. I can just have collapse on itself. But that's what the Brewers did when they traded Hater. They literally went like the 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 uh, what is it? Uh, what's the movie with Mel Gibson? Le- uh, Lethal Weapon, where they blew up the building and. It, Oh, I I smashed it. It was it was not the move. Ruins no, ruined not everything just in their, their season, place. but the players' faith in what's going on. It was not the move. I'm with you. My, my only, so they, okay, my okay, only point out of all this was you're saying that it's going to be a close race. You said it was going to be a close race because of the it rotation. could be a close race it, because the Brewers' rotation be a, is better. The Cardinals, than the Cardinals could win by 20 games. They could. Sure, they. I could. mean, let's say God forbid something happens to Burns, Woodruff, or Peralta, and they miss. Could Too make much. the same case on Arenado, Goldie, whatever. So, and yeah, you weigh injury risk, right? And who's going to have more depth when it comes down to it? The Brewers or the Cardinals? Who has more resources to go get a guy to fill in? The Cardinals, but they often don't do those moves. They don't. They don't make the huge. So what they do last year? Quintana. Yeah, and Montgomery. And Montgomery. What they do? Got him to the playoffs. Their fans were pissed. They felt like they should have done more. Well, fans are fans. That's why they're called fans because it's short for fanatics. Yeah, but they often at, at midseason don't make that crazy splash trade. Did they, they make the splash signing in a play, position of need this year? Which one? Catcher. Sure. sure. Thank you, Crouch. Okay. Catcher. Did they go out and get the best available catcher? Wilson yes. Contreras? Yeah, good for the lineup. Has work to do behind the plate. Okay, but. but no, AJ. no. Hey, I'm not answer, knocking. Answer, I'm just saying they're not this. a lot to run away with the division. That's all. Okay. And answer me this. Yes. Did you ever play against Wilson Contreras? I did. Can he anchor that staff? Because I am a huge proponent. If you look throughout history, if you don't have a catcher, and, and we're just talking about the division. We're not talking about the Cardinals, like, winning the NL, I mean, the National League pennant or anything. Can you have a catcher? With a reputation like Wilson Contreras for susceptible, suspective pitch calling, winning a National League championship, can he anchor that staff to a playoff contending team? My response to you is, who was the catcher in 2016 when the Chicago Cubs won it? I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. Contreras and David it. Ross played a lot. But that is Contreras a, was an the anomaly. main, and they had Miguel Montero too. But yeah, he was the main guy when he came up. Contreras came up; he was kind of the main guy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he was the starter, the starter. He did pretty well. I mean, he won a World Series first time in I don't know 108 years or whatever the heck it was. Now he'll also have Yachty will be around. Like he'll be around. He'll be in his ear, right? Wainwright. We'll talk him through everything. And I don't know who the backup guy is going to be, whether it's going to be uh, Kitzner probably or whoever. Probably Kitzner. Kitzner. Yeah. Uh, He's caught these guys, right? But they have a veteran staff. It's not like they have a bunch of young kids he's trying to guide. I mean, Wainwright, Matt, Flaherty, Montgomery is fairly young. Their bullpen's pretty been around. No, bullpen's good. Their bullpen's good. I mean, so it's not like he's catching guys that don't have an idea what they want to do. I mean, now, will they be on their. On their pitch com on their glove saying, call this. Makes it a little bit easier than back in the day, Kratzy, when you were like, what do I put down? Because I don't have anybody helping me. 
Like the pitcher can now go, like Scherzer talked about, right? Do, 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 do. I'll tell you what I'm throwing. Yeah, I'm throwing this. Just, yeah. just catch it. I like that. I mean, he can throw. He gets big hits. He's got a reputation getting big hits. He can throw. I mean, listen, I think that is the one thing with the pitch com and the pitchers using the pitch com. It takes that equation a little bit lower for the pitchers that want to use it. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a – I think it's a very underrated, talked about – it should be talked about so much more that that position, especially when you're pushing a guy into starting catching – I just looked up in 16, how many games he caught that year? How many do you think he caught in the year that they – He didn't come up series? until – he didn't come up until like the middle of the year, so I'm going to say 50. 57 games. Damn, I'm good. And – so my thing, my thing is, he didn't. He was probably the best position player available in the trade market last year, and he didn't get moved. Like you can't just slot any old person back there to catch 130 games a year. I know he can. I know he can throw, and I know he's going to give you so much thump at a position that lacks thump. But don't get enamored by the whole. Him picking the first, picking the second, picking the third every three pitches. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a reason why Russell Martin was in the playoffs 10 out of his 11 years in the big leagues. There's a reason the Braves were really good when Brian McCann was back there. There's a reason A.J. Pruszynski was won the playoff, won the World Series in 2005. Like, you have to have guys at that position that – can dictate how the game is played and not just how you hit. Would you rather have Martin Maldonado or Wilson Contreras? Are we talking for a whole season? And the playoffs. Just you you only get one player. Which one do you want? And it goes in and the rest of my lineup. So just dropping Martin Maldonado either, right into the Cardinals. Like I'm I'm Houston right, right now. So you drop okay? Wilson Contreras in on the Astros and you drop Martin Maldonado, you switch them. Well, like if I'm Houston, do I want Maldonado? Well, or they Contreras? made that choice. They did make that choice. They made that choice. Because remember, they were going to trade for Contreras. I think they had a trade, it, and it got rejected. I think by, by the owner, by Dusty and Crane. No, uh, by the I think owner. Click pulled it, and then the other two said, said no. no thanks. That's why I'm asking. I'm just curious. Obviously, in the free agent market, I mean, for a whole one gets way more than the other. Just asking the question, throwing it out there, only because all you ever hear from Houston is MVP of our team is Maldonado. He spends four or five hours a day prepping. He not only preps for the pitcher, he preps for the hitters on how to face the other pitcher because he's that damn good and smart and tells us what to expect and studies trends. Just throwing it out there, that's all. He, he gets talked about like that. Guy that probably deserves to be paid more than he does. I'm not I'm, – I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I'm talking to two catchers. Just saying. Hey, let me do one more injury note and then we got to go to <laughs> Joey Votto. Wait, real quick. You didn't answer my question. Which one are you taking? For a whole season? If you're on the Astros right now, do you want Maldonado or Contreras? You have to have whole season plus playoffs. Who do you want? I'll take Contreras. Kratz I know Kratz is going to say Maldonado. I'll take Maldonado. And, I, and I'm not saying that Contreras is bad. I'm saying – and you have to do more than – if you pick Maldonado, you can't just be like, eh, I'll take Eric Kratz as my backup. No, you yeah, got to get – You got you to gotta, you gotta get somebody. Like, like to me, if I have Maldonado – I'm going to get to pay him $1.5 million, and then I'm going to pick up Gary Sanchez, and I'm going to be able to work Gary Sanchez in there. So now I have, to me, two above-average catchers behind a dish, 
and wait, you lost wait. me when you said Gary Sorry, Sanchez. Now, now we're going to have to spend 30 minutes wait, Mike, on this. I think my IFB went out when you said that. Not, I didn't say, I didn't say playing behind the dish. Now my, my dog even got mad. Yeah, your dog smart. Yeah. About me. You have to clarify that statement for the world. My dog, clarifying it that you have two guys. One's going to be able to really hit when you need it. And you need mm. your manager to be able to play him in situations. I see the catching position, unless you have an elite level starting catcher, as two positions behind the dish. Two players. How do you get 162 of the best games out of those guys? And I think with Maldonado, I think I can get, I think I can get 90 starts from him, but he might only have about 300 at bats. And then I'm mixing in Gary in the situations where I know I need some thump. I know Maldonado needs a day. And, you know, you, you, work, you work it like that. And I think, I think that's how you get the catching position of 162 games. Like, Trey Turner is going to play 162 games at shortstop. I could care less who the next guy is. Unless he gets hurt, then I'm scrambling. Oh. But at the catching position, I need a collaboration. Well, Unless you have a guy like Wilson Contreras, but you got to deal with what he's doing for 140 games. Anyone's free to sign Gary Sanchez right now. He hasn't hit or caught for like three, four years now. So I mean, maybe he's better as a first baseman. I mean, they have Jose Abreu, DH, because you know your argument with Gary Sanchez to me, you, you lost me at Gary Sanchez as in a role, in a role, DH. <laughs> in a role is not having to get behind DH the dish. If he hits. No. I mean, the Chase perfect example the was. The playoff run, they had Christian Vasquez as their backup, yeah. which he's who a took, Who just took Gary Sanchez's spot in Minnesota, Correct. by the way. Yeah. And um, Gary's not, Gary was not that bad defensively last year. Don't, don't, don't jump on the media from New York. <laughs> oh, he's got so much of this. Like, you look up the numbers, the guy was not that bad. Okay. All right, next topic. Rysel Iglesias <laughs> has low-grade shoulder inflammation and is going to begin the season on the injured list. No throwing. For seven days. That's a big deal. Although the Braves have other options. Minter, Braves right? bullpen is great. Yeah. yeah. AJ Minter can completely handle that for a bit of time. They'll be fine. I have but still, very, I mean, guys start the, the season on the IL because well, and it's a shoulder. That's the part I'm more worried about the injury than the Braves bullpen in the meantime. But when you start Joe Menez, they acquired, he's good. Yeah. But when you start guys on the IL, it always seems when they start the year on the IL, it lasts longer than when they go on the IL in the middle of the year, because they're more cautious. Mm -hmm. Right. So this, yeah, he's not going to throw for a week. Well, that also means then he won't start. Then he has to start at like 20 feet and they count. Well, you get 12 throws from 20 feet, and you back up to 40 feet, and you get seven throws. There's literally a trainer there going, one, two. Are you serious? Yes. With a, yes. With a ticker? With a clicker. clicker. One. And then he shows the pitch. Here's his 20. Okay, you can move back 10 feet and throw seven. seven. Here's the seven. That Move back 10 more. You get three now. And then, and then you get the next day, the number goes up a couple, right? So. That's the thing. When you go on the aisle to start of the year, it's always longer. So a week without throwing, that puts him – he's going to miss at least three weeks. The Braves will be fine. It's yeah, not yeah. it. The Braves will be fine. The Braves will be fine. But let what you guys said, the shoulder, don't love to hear the shoulder. And not this early in the season. It's but, – but I think one, one positive might be, like, Rysel's not a spring chicken. He knows what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And you have to be able to mitigate your injuries. You have to be able to, like, if they say six weeks, 
I'm hoping, you know, for a young guy, he might be like, all right, well, I'm coming back in five. For an older guy, they might be like, yeah, I definitely need all six. I'm fine. I understand the long grind of a season, but no, that, that bullpen is that bullpen's suffocating. They just keep they're like, oh, we just need a seventh inning guy. Yeah, we'll get one of those. Oh, eighth inning guy, we'll just go and trade for Joe Jimenez. Like, phew. Dylan Lee was nasty last year. They're they're fine. They're is fine. Mattis back? Or is he out? Who? I don't know. The Who? Le- uh Matzik. Oh, Matzik. Uh, no, he had Tommy John at the end of last so year. So he's out. For the yeah, game. he's out for okay. a while. And he wasn't really a factor last no, year. No, I know, but in the playoffs, he was when they won, year. he was the man. Two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, last year, he wasn't a big th- factor. Yeah, I he, he wasn't high hurt. leverage. I just didn't know if he was out for the whole year. Dylan Lee was one of the guys that actually took yes. that role. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't think he's coming back this year. Maybe at the end of the year. But, yeah, he had Tommy John in the playoffs, I remember. Um, all right, time for Joey Votto. So here's the deal. We spoke to him last night. Schedule-wise, Joey's schedule is tight. Plus, he wants to fuck with AJ. So <laughs> let's run uh, this interview for the first time on foul territory. Fresh from last night, it's Vado, it's me, it's Pierzynski. Kratz had a game. It's Todd Frazier on there, too. Kratz, you're going to like this. Let's run it. Joined by Joey Vado. Frazier's been looking forward to this for a long time. He's with us. I like that look, too, on foul territory. Hey, what do you think of Frazier's setup, by the way, Vado? Looking good back there? Yeah, he's got a nice batting cage. Yeah, yeah, I love him. Hey, I love him, man. There's nobody yeah. better than this guy right here, man. He's going to tell you how it is, and he's not afraid to shy away from anything, and that's why I love you're, him. You're like like on that. Todd and I played together uh, for, for people listening, people watching. Todd and I played together for a while. He came up. Uh, when I was probably five, six years into league, and and the common theme among young players is stay quiet, oh, stay no. in your locker, mind your business. And Todd came out and just like let us all have it. L- like has a leader streak, is going to say something, is going to challenge us. He and I, I mean, I'm sure you've said this before. He, you and I have like dusted heads a couple times, but I will say, I will say, you were a great teammate. You helped us play better, and you were. A, I don't think you get enough credit. You are an excellent, excellent player. One of the better defensive third base. You, you're right behind Scott for me as far as best defensive third baseman's I play wow. with. You played super hard. You knew the game. Uh, you were a star in Cincinnati for a while there. We were really lucky to have you. No, I, I appreciate that. Guys, you heard that, right? Man, I uh, love my, the play. My IFB no. went out. Oh, sorry. Wait, uh, I couldn't hear anything. Breaking Wait, up. We got to start over. <laughs> hey. Wait, what was that? Todd, what? Hey, Wait, Joey. I want, Joey, forget about them. I want to bring up a funny story, man, back in the day. And I, and I hope you remember this because I'll never forget it. Remember Don Long? He was our hitting coach, you know, one of those years. Of course. You were hitting in batting practice. And sometimes you get frustrated in batting practice. You know, you slam the yeah. bat against the side of the – you know, the yeah. turtle, they call it. Do you, I, I hope you remember this because I, I, I haven't told you this, but I hit Don Long in the leg. I said, watch this. You were struggling a little bit. When I mean struggling, you were batting like 280 at the time. And I said, watch, I'm going to get him going. I, I, I said, Joey, man, wake up. What are you doing in there? Because you took a pitch and slammed the bat. And you remember what you said to me after you got out of the batting cage? I, I remember that, that back and forth vividly. So I didn't want to hit that day, and I was a little gassed. And li- I literally never hit below 300 when I played with you, just out of spite for you. Just a spite, spite. Despite you. <laughs> and, like, I, 
Oh, I just didn't want to hit. So I was kind of hitting easy. And you were in the back. You were in the back. You were like, well, you know, pick it up. Like, why? If you're going to swing, why are you even in here wasting our time sort of thing? And I was like, I about lost it. And I muttered something to myself. I get back in. I do the same thing. And I think, like, you may have said something again or it may have been the one-off. But I go, I go, uh, I go, why don't you worry about yourself? And yeah. you gave me something back. And I go, you and I, we're going to go to the computer room. We're going to Google my name. We can take a peek of my numbers. Yep. And you can shut the F up sort of thing. Exactly. And, exactly. Uh, exactly. I can't tell you how. I mean, you and I had those exchanges. I'll tell you. I'll tell everyone else one story. So we had those exchanges. And I think it's probably because I've got a little sensitive streak to me or I'm a little prideful or I took you seriously or I – and like – I didn't, I didn't realize how, what you were trying to do yeah. and you were trying to fire guys up, get guys going, challenge guys, also fire yourself up so we could be better as a team. And I remember Devin Mesoraco, a catcher on our team, all-star catcher who we both played with for a long time. And I'm laying on the couch and I watched Devin, <laughs> Devin walk past you and you, you walk past him and you go, what's up jackass. And then Devin goes, Devin goes, Hey Todd. And keeps walking. And I'm yes. like, that's how you deal with him. That's how you deal with him. <laughs> and from that point forward, I was like, oh, my goodness. So that's how you deal with him sort of thing. But, no, I, okay. I, I tell people to this day, tell to this day when I play with Todd, that he was the most challenging but the most helpful teammate I play with just because he wanted he wanted to push everyone. So I admire that about him. You know, no, I AJ that. on the other hand, yeah. AJ on the other hand, I couldn't stand. I have nothing redeeming to say about him. So, <laughs> hey, so I got a story for you. Now it's my turn to tell stories about Joey Votto. Oh boy! So when I obviously you were in National League, I was in the American League most of my career. But at the end of my career, when I was with Atlanta and St. Louis, you were with the Reds. So we played you. We used yes, to have I was a contest. Reds, it would sure. be like everybody would everybody would throw before the game. We're playing the Reds. We're like right, whoever gets on first. Whoever gets the strangest comment from Joey Votto win, and we'll buy him dinner. So we would all get on first, and we would ask you the most outrageous thing. And we, whatever yeah. you would say, I, I mean, there was something. I don't even remember the stories, but it was like, I remember Freddie got on first, and you were talking about, like, the sky or the stars. And I got one time I got on first, and you had the tightest pants on I've ever seen. And I yeah. just touched, oh your, I touched your butt, <laughs> right? And I said, man, Joey, you look amazing in these pants. And you just look down, and you kind of stuck your, your ass out to the side, and you're like, you're right, I do. <laughs> right? So then, this is when I was with St. Louis. So then we went over to Milwaukee, and St. Louis was there. They had an off day, and we were playing the, the Brewers. And Rosie, the clubhouse guy, had all the red uniforms. They hang them up, right, in the back in Philly I, or in, in uh, Milwaukee. I said, Rosie, I'm putting Votto's. You don't even know this. I'm like, I'm putting Votto's uniform on. I want to see how tight it is. And I put him – I went full uniform. I couldn't get the pants on. They were so tight, right? And then the mm -hmm. next time we played him, he had baggy pants on. I'm like, Joey, you switch pants. You're, you're, and he said something to me. He's like, well, I didn't like the way you touched me last time. <laughs> and I was like, yes. I said that? Oh, yeah. You were like, yeah, I didn't like the way you touched my butt or something. You said something oh, like really? that. Oh, really? No, yeah, no, no, I no. Like, I, yes. I, usually, usually at first base, I'm I'm like fooling, playing around with Are we allowed to cuss on here? Absolutely. Yes, of course. Usually at first I'm fucking with everybody. So like 
I, 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 unless I really, really get to know you, like whenever Todd, I mean, Todd and I played together for years, so he'd get to first base and I'd ask him how the city was when he played for the Mets. I asked him how his family's doing. I asked him how, his, you know, just like things that like were like, I cared about how his well being. I asked him whether or not he was happy to be back. But like, if I don't know you, to me, it's like, I get, I'll say hello, but if I get a read of like, uh, someone that's willing to play or someone that I, feel like is being like uh not eye to eye is like being dismissive of me i'll usually mess around with them but uh aj you were you were um you kindly like constantly gave me that energy i mean i come to the plate and you'd like i don't remember things you say because you're a forgettable player but you come to the plate oh my and i would be like i'd be like you know um i'd get a little comment from you and i'd be like why is he you know, interrupting me right now. Like, I was messing with, you, you were messing with me and I was trying to mess up your thought process, right? No, you're, there, no, you're grinding. No. You're trying to squat, stand up, squat. I don't know how I can get the ball for. So I'm like, well, maybe if I say something. I to get the ball for. I've got like uh, 2,100 hits. What do you mean? Tell him, Joe. Joe, tell him. I mean, hey. You you're know, talking about. Hey, Joe, we're not all Todd. We all have 2,000 hits. That's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, you get to 3,000, let me know. But Todd ain't got 2,000. I got 2,000. You got 2,000. You don't understand this conversation. I looked up your numbers before this this um, uh, this interview, just like trying to get a gauge of how much time and how much. I mean, you played a long time. And um, we're a really successful player. And we only I only got to catch you, I think, I think I caught you a little bit when you were with the White Sox, but generally speaking, like on, on some of your other teams. But I thought that, uh, you know, I, I playing against you, I, I knew you had a reputation for not only being uh, a good uh, a good leader, but also a, a really good offensive player. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, obviously 2,000 hits goes without saying with, with your career. So, so Joe, I, I got to tell you this also. When we played – You have 2,000 hits, yeah. right? Yeah, 2,000. Yeah. That's, that's Incredible. How did it feel? How did it feel? How did it feel? I was old when I got it, so I was just happy to get there because I was, I was, huh, huh. I was like, I you mean, know, they're they whipping the horse, and I was whipping myself <laughs> to try to get there. So, well, you know, the scouting report on you, right? Is when I think we were in Texas. No, uh, yeah, no, I don't know where we were. Maybe St. Louis, and they said Joey Votto, he won't swing. So the scouting report on you is just throw it right down the middle and force him to swing, right? I mean, literally, that was a scouting report. Like the first couple of bats, just throw it down the middle. Because you were, you know, that that's, you know, your 500 on base, 400, you know, whatever it was. So Mike Maddox, I think, was our pitching coach. And he's like, hey, just throw it down the middle. You have to make this guy swing. Otherwise, he won't swing. And we tried that. And I think we played you in a three-game series. And the first, like, four bats, it was like, boom, 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 boom. And then about the third at bat, fourth at bat, you're like, screw this. Whack, home run. I'm like, we ain't doing that anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to it, – it's – the at-bats are are, um, are – I think complicated because I try to gain as much on a serious note, as much fooling around as we've done. Like I tried earlier in my career. Um, I used to carry around the Ted Williams uh, signs of hitting. And um, one of the, one of the messages in that particular book was um, gather, gather as much information as you can early in, in, especially in your first at bat. And so early, early in the game, I try to read and take as much as I could um, to be able to gather information. And I always felt confident with two strikes that I could not only get a hit, but I could still power the ball. And um, 
at bat second, the second and third at bat, I had information. The game was slower just because you fall in line, fall in kind of like the groove of the game. You find the timing of the pitcher. And during that time, AJ, and I, 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 I'm, I think Todd can agree with this also, pitchers would go a third, maybe even a fourth time. So for me, the first two at bats, I, I'm trying to get something, of course, but I feel like for the greater good of the game, it'd be best if I gather as much information as I could. And then as the, as the game moved along, when I felt like I, I knew what I was going to get and what I could damage, I would take advantage of that. And the second, possibly mostly the third and fourth at bat. Hey, Joe, I want you to explain to everybody right now your, your routine. Like when I talk about hitting routines, when I talk to kids in camps and stuff, I always bring you up because you're, you're one, you were the hardest worker I've ever seen as a hitter. And I want guys, I want guys to understand like, your routine in the cages, what, 30 minutes before the game was just as powerful. Like your swing was just, a, it was a game routine during practice as it was during the game. Like, did you prep yourself to be, I wanted to be game ready for that first pitch. Can you explain that to like a kid who's watching right now, how your, your routine is? You know, um, I don't know if it's because, you know, I wasn't, it, I, I remember seeing old highlights of you being a, um, you as a little league player being successful right away uh, and you 10 years old, 12 years old, 14, what uh, you were always a, a success as a younger player. And so um, I wasn't a good young player. I was, I, I felt like I worked my way into my success, a combination of, you know, a little bit of physical late blooming with like the reps um, led to my success. So, as long as, and even as I sit here right now, as I think about my work day, because I'm at, I'm at our spring training complex and we're about to have a night game and I have to prep for it. I think about making sure that I work uh, as well as I physically can and get as much out of myself today as I possibly can and work at an intensity that's as close to the game and work at a precision, you know, work with as much precision as I can. That's as as close to the needs of the game. And I've tried to do that over the last, excuse me, two, three decades, however long I've been working at this. And I've always felt like it's come from work. I feel like, you know, that, that uh, the, I guess it's a, a, a term, uh, deliberate practice. I've been, I've always done that. Not, I didn't know what I was doing until, you know, probably my thirties, but um, you know, I, I just have never been a natural. And I feel like the work has led me to, to having to having some success in this game. So um, it's always been about desperation. Like I feel like an urgency. I feel desperation. I feel um, a, a level of like discomfort and feeling out of place unless I get that work in, and unless I feel feel, and I have to feel uh, like the work is helping me feel sharper. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's. It's like some guys just have it. You know, I played with Griffey Jr., Ken Griffey Jr., and I remember one time him, you know, I was hitting, yeah, the great yeah, Ken Griffey is. Jr., of course, and he goes, he goes, I go, what, like, what do you, what do you, you got any advice for me or what do you do? Or, and he goes, man, I just try to have fun. I just try to have fun. But, like, he's coming from a place of hitting in the, hitting off of, you know, Johnny Bench and 
you know, you know, Tony Perez in the clubhouse with the big red machine or taking batting practice off of his father, Ken Griffey Sr., uh, his arm or like being a, 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 a superstar high school prospect. So it just, and I don't want to say it came easy for him, but he was like, it came, he, he just was always in it. Whereas I elected to start, I, I tried to get good at baseball at about 14 years old. Like I dedicated myself for maybe 15 years old where I just shut basketball down. I shut, you know, football down, everything down with the attempt of being at the best I could. And I felt like, you know, at all times, I still to this day feel like it's just been, you know, work. I've had to work, but I'm grateful for it. So, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Um, to change gears a little bit, what's the Reds' outlook this year, man? How you guys looking? Some young guys stepping up. Uh, how do you feel being, you know, that veteran guy that everybody's going to look up to and kind of lean on here a little bit this year? Yeah, I, I, I really like a lot of our younger players. Um, you know, we have a potential. We have three, you know, I, I don't like giving uh giving too much to to young players because i think it's unfair and i think it's unrealistic but we've got three pitchers in graham ashcraft hunter green and nick lodolo that have a chance to be uh strong pitchers and so i i think some of them could you know some maybe all of them could end up being all-star caliber and beyond pitchers and then uh we have a few position players that you know, Johnson India won the Rookie of the Year a few years ago, a couple years ago. Tyler Stevenson performed well last year. We have a few core players um, that are currently on the major league roster that that could be impactful. And then we have a, uh, I think a, a like a stronger minor league system that could potentially impact the team in 2023 or 24. So I'm looking forward to watching these guys get better and watching them play you know it's it's interesting like the rigors it's good it's fine to be a prospect and it's fine to have early career success but the real difficulty is being successful when it's not sexy when you're just a major league player just kind of plugging away accumulating time and you have to answer every single day every 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 single season and and that to me is the real challenge of being a major league player it's that saying like it's easy to make it but it's hard to stay and staying comes with like really answering the bell every day and performing well. We're entertainers. Our obligation is to, to entertain, to, to, to answer, you know, be able to answer the demands of the fan. So, yeah. Speaking of entertaining, I mean, last night's uh, world baseball classic or a couple nights ago, world baseball classic was excellent. I don't know if you guys caught that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I think if, you're not a ba- if you're not if you're a baseball fan, you're definitely watching. If you're not a baseball fan, I think you should have watched it anyway. Um, question. Also, did you get asked to play in the World Baseball Classic this year? Was there a possibility yeah. or no? Yeah, there was a possibility, but with my injury, I'm I, yeah. I'm still coming back from my bicep and my rotator cuff tear. So um, I had surgery last August, and I've made progress. I'm starting to play spring training games, but I, I just got to keep plugging away. So wait, who wait who wait who plays first? If it's you and Freeman, who plays first? Uh, I DH probably. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Too solid. First I mean, yeah, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good Freddie's great, 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 great player. I mean, he's he's probably the sports best, or him or Goldschmidt are the, the best two first basemen in the game right now. So, uh, Freddie played uh, first. I'd be happy to DH just support the team. So yeah. So you you came? Didn't you come up as a catcher? If I'm not mistaken, weren't you a catcher in the minor league? They draft players as catchers, and I think that's just like uh, a hope 
sort of thing. I was never going to be a catcher. <laughs> I was never- hey, hey, some of us were drafted <laughs> as catchers, right. and we stuck there, all right? So let's not... Yeah, well, it's, a, it, it's amazing to be able to perform behind the plate and still perform offensively. The degree of difficulty was, you know, just... I have no idea how the good offensive catchers do their job. It's amazing to me, so... No, I, I agree totally. So let me give you uh, an instance here. Halfway during the season... Reds are struggling a little bit. Next thing you know, trade deadline's coming up. And they come to you and say, hey, Joey, we got an opportunity if you go to the Blue Jays or, or some other team. I say the Blue Jays because you're from Canada. Um, I know you're a Red at heart. I know you never want to leave that place. But is anything going in your mind thinking maybe, you know, if the if Toronto Blue Jays are dominating for a season? Uh, I'm thinking, um, you know, my, my answer is, I have to get healthy and perform well. And I'm not trying to dismiss that question, but, um, you know, when I signed, when I signed my contract with the team, the, t- the 12 year deal, um, it was, um, there was an agreement between the, both parties that, that this was a, a long-term commitment mm-hmm. and, uh, a monogamous commitment. So, um, you know, I, I I've been dedicated to, uh, the Cincinnati Reds. No one's ever heard anything about me asking for a trade, yeah. or 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 hinting at playing with another team during my entire time. And we've we've had a lean ten years. That's awesome. Uh, so I I, I I don't know. I I just it, I I had heard heard a comment about that the other day, and it's you know this is a business uh, first and foremost. And uh, there's going to be speculation, you know, from the day I signed that contract, they may have been trying to trade me for all I know. I have no idea what goes on in, in, in uh, the higher ups perspective, but um, I've never said anything. And, and my goal is to just perform well and, and honor, honor my contract. So, Joey, you're, you've talked about all these things. You recently, well, I don't know if it was recently, but in the last couple of years, you've gotten on social media. And yeah. you kind of said it kind of helped you reach people and, and kind of get out of some loneliness and some stuff. They forced me at foul territory here to get on social media. So do you have any advice for me as a newbie on social media? Well, it depends on what your goals are. Um, if you're trying to, um, I think if you're trying to like connect with the fans of, of this particular, is this a podcast or a radio show? What is this called? How Digital show. It's, digital show. It's YouTube podcast. It's kind of both. So we Everywhere. can see your face and hear your voice, whether you want to be seen or not. It all depends on what they want to listen, how they want to ingest. If I'm most honest with you, being sincere, and when I say sincere, like if you don't want to connect with people, if you don't want to be social, then the, they can tell. They can tell. Um, but the the connections can be real. The communication can be valuable for both parties. And if your goal is to add more followers or add more interest to the show, you're going to, you're going to have to partly connect. Uh, You know, we're, we're behind a screen and just telling people things, but there's people on the other hand, on the, on the other end listening, and they want to feel like they're part of the conversation. They want to feel like, uh, they're listened to, that you have interest in them, that you care about them. And if you keep them at arm's length, that can be sensed. 
But if you're genuine about sharing yourself or listening to them or communicating, um, if you're genuine about uh, wanting to have the conversation, wanting to debate the topics, wanting to present the questions to the to the players or just present the questions in general that the fans want asked, they they'll feel listened to. You know, the best in my opinion. I watch him all the time. I don't know if I'm going to end up doing any sort of digital content or podcasting or anything like that. But personally, I think the best is Chael Sonnen. And he does the um, he does uh, an MMA podcast. And he's always in the, blog, the blogs. He's in the chat rooms. He's in the comment section. He's on... He's on whatever uh, tool he finds, he feels like it's the best way for him to listen to and communicate with the fan base. Uh, and the, they feel that, you know, he's grown exponentially over the last year or two. But in my, my opinion, I think that's the way you do it. You really listen, you listen, you ask the questions and it goes from there. And it all depends on what your goals are. If you don't want to listen, then you'll get what you get. But if you really want to connect, I mean, then it'll, it'll serve you in another way and it'll serve them also. So it depends on what your goals are. So what you're saying is I need to make social media my full-time job, right? Besides this. So it, it depends on what you want. Like, no, I know, I know. Like, I, is I, it Twitter? Or is it Twitter or Instagram? I have Twitter, Instagram. I have all that stuff now. You know, I'm, Twitter's I'm a regular a really social good... media tycoon. Twitter's great for AJ. Twitter's tw- yeah, Twitter, yeah. Twitter I, don't like posting, I don't like doing the po- pictures and all. I mean, I'll do it, but I don't love that stuff. Yeah, so, then don't. Yeah. yeah. I don't want if you don't want to do that. that but like, so, um, so, so yeah. Todd asked you, like, to, like on your Instagram the other day, right? Todd asked you about the middle of the season. Well, there's a big date for you coming up in like three weeks. April 15th, the aliens are coming. You guys are going to be 12 and two. And then that was on, right? So that was a, that was, that was you fucking with us, right? Or was that like a real thing? No, that was me playing around. But, um, you know, I'm still playing right now. So I, I, social media is like, I, I don't, I can only interact with, uh, the followers and fans so much because they, I don't have the excess energy to be able to, give away i've got to save it for performance so i actually felt like i learned that lesson last year however with that being said i still want to let a little bit of myself out there so uh the the mainstream media the general media the regional media doesn't get to control all of my narrative um you know for example the other day there was a comment about um you know from the jays the reds jim bone thing i i have the i have an option if i want to get on twitter and say something or I can say something on Instagram story, or I can just leave it to the regional media to answer the question, but it all depends on how much energy I want to give it. But, you know, I don't know. I, it's for me, for me, social, I don't get, I don't make any money from it. Um, and, and I find that there's more of a genuine connection with the fans um, at stadiums on the streets. I mean, I get plenty of hellos on the street. I get plenty of hellos at the stadium. I'm here to, I'm here to take pictures and sign autographs and connect with the fans. I'm genuine about that. I try to get out in the Cincinnati community and support the youth Academy. I try to get out and say hello to the community as much as I possibly can. So I find that that's more, more valuable than, than some sort of post. but yeah. And I think fans appreciate that. hundred percent. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Former player. Exactly. The fan connection needs to keep happening. I mean, we're doing this every day for a reason, too, to have these kind of conversations, and they come out differently like this. The one I wanted to ask was, I mean, we were giving Todd shit in the beginning, but rather deal with Todd or, or Brandon Phillips 
he can bring it too. I mean, you play with some characters, Joey. No, 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 no. Brandon was excellent. Todd was excellent. You know, we were we were a strong club. We were a strong club for a stretch there. Um, you know, um, I, I miss those guys. I, there's something about playing with real professionals. And I'm not saying like, I, I'm not saying anything other than when we were a really strong competitive team and, and those guys were in the infield and those guys were in the lineup and those guys were in the clubhouse. There was, I love being on a team with egos because that tells you that each one of those guys has their own sort of, um, they take control of themselves. They're responsible for themselves. They think they're a star. They think they belong at the all-star game. They think they should have been on the cover of this. They think that they should be hitting here. They should, but that's because they're good. And you accumulate enough of those guys and you got yourself a really competitive team. And that's the reason why, I mean, Brandon was fabulous. Yeah, you know, he and I, I, I said this in the media the other day, he'd sit on the other side of the clubhouse. We never spoke. He'd be on his phone. Mm-hmm. I played with him for eight, nine, ten years. We never spoke in the club. Never spoke in the clubhouse. I almost never saw him. But then we'd sit, be side by side on the field, or we'd be on the bench together, and we had our our moments. And you, that bond is stronger than you know. I'll, I'll remember Brandon for as long as I live because of of the relationship we had professionally. It's the same with Todd. You know it. Um, you know, he had, he had more of a voice in the clubhouse, but like you knew that when it came time to perform, he was going to answer that. He was going to answer that bell. He was going to perform. He was going to dig. He was going to make good decisions. He was a great defender. To me, um, I love playing with those guys, and, and that's what makes a good team. And Joe, I'll finish it with this, and we'll let you go. When we did have that little squirrel during batting practice, you took off, and I don't know if you remember, I think you got player of the month the next month. So you're welcome. For one, and and two, it makes me really angry that you think you had anything to do with that. I, Joe, you, hey, we didn't. Hey, we didn't talk for a week and a half. I, I I hope you remember that too as well. I remember Jay Bruce coming up and be like, "Yo, dude, you need to squash this with Joey." I'm like, "I'm not squashing." Jay said that. Yes, he did because you and Jay were the best friends, so he told you everything. Jay Jay went stretches where he was like, "Todd's drive me crazy," and I go, "I go, well, then you're just weak," and you know, uh, Todd. If it, you know, I don't ever remember him saying anything like that to me. But t- honest to goodness, we could have gone seven years and not spoken together, and I would have been so happy about that too. So don't tr- <laughs> you didn't need to squash anything. Like if this was the first time we spoke, I would have been like, good, yeah. don't matter to me at all. Hey, and then let me finish with this. What I'm gonna add, I'm gonna ask you the question, but I'm gonna say the answer first, and I'm gonna think I'm right. So, what are you gonna have before the game tonight? I'm gonna say your all-time favorite bean burger. What do you think? Bean burger. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Ever again? That's too good. Yeah, Ever. bean burger. Uh, I'll tell the story. So every time in Chicago, uh, um, the head clubhouse attendant. Um, um, I believe his name was Mike Burkhart, uh, um, you know, rest in peace. Rest uh, in the peace, late, yes. Yeah. Late, late Mike Burkhart. Um, and, and forgive me if I got his uh, last name incorrect, but he would, he, 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 they would have their spread. And oftentimes it would be, you know, uh, I didn't want to have what they were, what they were serving. McDonald's. It would be McDonald's. And so 
I, I was like, I'd go through the freezer and he go, you know, I found like these, these vegetarian bean burgers. And I was like, I didn't want anything too heavy before the game. So I go, Hey, can you warm up a couple of these bean burgers? And then I'd have like a guacamole or an avocado on it or something like that. Oh my God. And we go to Chicago three, four times a year. So I'd see him 15 to 20 times, times, you know, the 10 years that we work, we work together 12 years. And so uh, every day I'd have a bean burger and Todd would walk past while I'm eating the bean burger and be like, Hey Joe, what you got there? And I'd be like, cause I'm a quieter sort of like, oh you know, when God. I don't like being blown up sort of thing, but I'm also not going to, I'm not going to react. And so Todd's bigger, louder, bolder. And so clashing personalities, but he blew me up in front of the group and I'd be like, I tried to be nice. And I'd be like, I got a bean burger here. <laughs> and you'd be, like, be like, so from that point forward, for the you know six, seven, eight years, however long we played together, he'd be like, "Hey Joe, you gonna have a bean burger today? You oh had a good game God. last hey. time. You had a bean burger." Oh yeah. my God! The best part was I'm wa I'm walking around with the McDonald's two double cheeseburgers before the game, and he's crushing smashing, a, a, a homer or two and a double, and making a diving play down the line. Though that's what worked all day. Large fries, two double cheeseburgers. And away we went, man. Joey, Amen. appreciate you coming on here with us, man. Yeah, yeah thanks for having you guys. Dude, Joe, you're the man. Nice to see you again. Nice yeah, to you see too, you again. buddy. All the best, man. Get healthy and start taking those walks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can promise you, hey, I can promise you when I'm done with this, uh, when I'm done with this little back and forth, I'll forget about it. So take care, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Epic. Thank you, Joey. <laughs> uh how good was that, Kratzy? Wow. <laughs> hey, there he is. There, and we're back. Kratzy. I mean, he's he's a gem. He's a good storyteller, too. Great storyteller. I love how he just left and didn't even turn the computer off. Like, that's <laughs> just that's like, you know, you, I always see superstars, and, and I consider him a superstar, whether, you know, people will disagree with me or not. No, he's a superstar. Yeah. You might be a Hall of Famer. I think he should be a Hall of Famer. It's a Hall of Famer. I think he is. I think he is. But, you know, that's a debate for another day. But I always love seeing how, like, their mind works because you play against him and you're like, I've heard he's a weird cat. But that interview, like, you know, he's all over the place on the, you know. And all of a sudden he's like, that is just fantastic. You had a fantastic career, AJ. And he's knowledgeable. And, like, I wish I was on the show because we had an altercation at home plate. And, you know, next time he's on the show, we'll – he and I will get into it. But you guys were talking about 2,000 hits. Damn. I barely even had 2,000 at-bats in the minor leagues. Like, y'all have 2,000 hits in the big leagues. Like, so, crazy. what you missed – oh, thanks. But what you missed was – so, before we did that interview, we were all sitting here. And our mics were hot. And he was in the green room. And I said, man, I go, I can't wait to talk to Joey Votto. He has great answers, but sometimes he says things and I just don't get them, right? Because he does say things and you have to kind of like go back and think about it. And then you're like, okay, now I understand what he was right. saying. Well, he heard me. So <laughs> Frazier's like, you dumbass, he can hear you, right? So then we come on and we're, we're like, okay, we're going. And he was coming at me like he's like, he said something about Frazier, I think in the in – the, something about Frazier in the shower or something, right, to start. And then he's like, and AJ, I got something for you. And then right then, thank God, Jeremy goes, oh, by the way, we have to restart. 
And I was like, jackpot. Uh, and then he had to start his whole skit over again because he had this whole – and Frazier after the interview was like, you're so lucky we had to restart because he was just going to go off on you for five minutes. And I was like, great. I like, needed let's to go. hear that. I was waiting. Me too. I wanted to hear it. Because you're talking smack and heard you. But I didn't mean it like – I know. I didn't mean it like negatively at all. I meant like – No. Because when you have conversation with Joey Votto, and I even said in the interview on first base, he'll say things and you're like – what, what the hell is he talking about? And then you think about it for a minute, and you're like, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> but it's just, it's just him. I mean, he's, you know, you know, Canadian. I mean, what do you want me to know? <laughs> Personality is the game, for sure. Yeah. His, his Frazier impression for the bean burger Yo, story. Yo, can I have a bean burger? Hey, yeah. Joey, you could have another bean burger? <laughs> hey, hey, don't, don't sleep on Todd. Like, being like that in the clubhouse where you're just like, Damn, man, shut up. <laughs> yeah, but it's hilarious. But that's the energy that you need every day. Yeah, the ego, though. He said that that part resonated uh, the dude, most with you, right? that was the best quote of that whole interview. That, if you take one thing out of that interview, and there was a lot to digest, was when he said at the end about Brandon Phillips and Todd, I want egos in my clubhouse. And he's right. You need guys that expect to be good, believe they're going to be good, and then they go out and do it, right? And if you have an ego, normally it means you're pretty damn good. You ain't guys that are, you know, guys that are the, and I don't, no offense, Crouchy, but if, yeah, if you're the 26th guy and you're on the shuttle from Buffalo to Toronto, guess what? You ain't got no ego. You ain't walking in that clubhouse being like, jump on my back, boys. It's Let's ride. Brandon Phillips walked in there. Joey Votto walks in. Todd Frazier walked in. They're like, we're the Reds. We're the big, bad Reds. Let's go. And they were good. And they were good. Cueto. Cueto. I mean, they were good. Cueto has 80 horses. He's riding around like I mean, he's on another planet. He does selfie videos singing. He's He's got that good ego that you want, too. That's what that team was all about. That was awesome. All right, let's do uh, a little futures action. Season's coming up. We'll be betting every day. Join the party if you like money. So we're going over the – no, you don't like money? AL Central predicted win totals. <laughs> Vegas on the left side, out of the park. Our friends, yes, you're pointing at me, on the right side. Um, Vegas has the Cleveland Guardians winning the division, and they're putting them at 86 and a half. Out of the park, you're probably looking. Minnesota's above them because out of the park has them at, at 87 wins. Um, they, they've pretty much got the Vegas number for Cleveland. They've got the White Sox under that 500 mark. Got KC and Detroit a little bit over their marks. Over under, each of you pick one lock from this division, replacing futures bets. You can go anywhere. We'll <laughs> let Kratz go first on this one because I think you know what I'm going to say. I mean, AJ's career had a lot to do with two of these teams. Yeah, go ahead, Kratz. But remember, none of that matters on this show. That's uh, true. No, it doesn't. I mean, go Fraser's ahead, about to work for Yes Network, and what was it yesterday? He's like Otani signing with the Mets. I think there's a lot of Yankee fans that are thinking he's going to sign there, and I actually think there's very little chance of that. But anyway, Kratzy, do you want to kick this off? Where's your uh, pick in this division saying, Vegas, you got it wrong? Frazier's about to get fired if he's going to be picking anything against the Yankees working for the Yes Network, so that's that's <laughs> not going to work out. AJ, AJ's a liaison. He's like he's the, uh, he's the person that sits you at your table when you go to the <laughs> – I'm going to go to the White Sox game. They said they don't have tables or good food there, so it doesn't matter. Hey, 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 hey. Wait, what? Oh, I thought I wasn't on the mic anymore. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to take AJ's other team, the Twins. I'm going to go the over 
because I might even say they might even go higher than the 87 wins that out of the park is, is predicting. I just think they have more depth and more thump in their lineup than, you know, the big names of the White Sox or the young and up and comers like Cleveland. They got Buxton. They got, they picked up Farmer last year. who's not a thumper, but he was, you know, the most productive on the Reds last year in their lineup. He led them. He's very versatile. They got Polanco. They got, obviously, our boy Correa, who said he's going to win MVP. That's what his goal is. And I have a hard time betting against that. But I think they have a guy in Gallo who, with the shift, he is probably written about that, you know, he has the best chance of, you know, having success through the shift. He's got to decrease his strikeouts. I get it. But I think they just have a lot of thump in that lineup to go along with Kenta Maeda, Sonny Gray, who had a great year. Pablo Lopez might be the best starting pitching trade of the offseason. And he showed it in the Venezuela, in the Venezuela, uh, what did he do? What do you go? Perfect through six or something? Like they have, and they and Tyler Molly is up there. They have like they have so much. Chris Paddock will be coming back in, you know, halfway through the year. Not saying he's a you know, a one or a two, but you have another starting pitcher that's going to be able to come and slot in. Twins, over. I like it. You don't like it? No? No. We just had a whole argument about starting pitching and guys getting hurt. Ken Amaya always hurt. Sonny Gray never makes all the starts. I, I mean – Their rotation is Their rotation's was, better than the Cardinals' rotation. You're also dumb. Maeda, Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan – Who's one of the other big names I'm missing exactly, that, that Kratzy just said? So, what do you mean your it's point? It's my turn to talk. Hold on a second here. <laughs> now you got you two got me fired up, and I don't like it. You just had a whole conversation about how lineup doesn't matter and how starting pitching matters. There ain't a better starting pitching rotation in that division than the Cleveland Guardians, and you're saying they're going to run away with the division, the Twins? Don't. That, you can't have it both ways. Run away. You, you didn't say run you away. You said over 87. I said it might be over 87, yes. Well, okay, Frazier, it might be this, and I might pick the Royals, and I might pick the Tigers, and I might – but no, you pick the Twins to win the division. Here's the problem. Correa, great. They didn't make any other offensive moves for me. Buxton, can he stay healthy? He's only playing DH. Kirilov's already on the DL. Polanco's already – sorry, IL. Excuse me, IL. They traded away Arise. They traded away Arise, who won the batting title last year for him, right? Who's going to hit? Correa, Christian Vasquez is an offensive force. They brought him in to catch over Gary Sanchez, who, according to Eric Kratz, is the greatest hitting catcher of all time. So who, who, who'd they bring in to hit? This is the same argument we just had, except you just flip-flop, Kratz, because you want to make a prediction that doesn't make any sense. The Guardians have the best pitching in that division by far. I mean, McKenzie, Bieber, Plesak, Quantrill. Class A's coming in, shut you down with 100-mile-an-hour cutters. Uh, Terry Francona's the best manager in that division. I'm sorry. and Say what you want about the other guys, but he's done it. So, that, it's a bold statement, Eric, but what I was going to take for me, if we get the graphic back up, and you're going to say I'm a homer, I know. Go ahead. White Sox, for me, is going to be over that number, especially the number on the right on out of the park, 79. The 83-and-a-half, the I think, is closer to what the White Sox will be. 
think they're an 84 to 85 win so, team. So that's your one lock. If you're if if you're putting the White down Sox will win more than ten grand. Games. No 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 no. That's, just that's said. not the game. Yes, the White Sox will win more than seventy nine games. That's not the game that we play here. That's you just you, ask me for a lock. You can't right. The lock has to do with Vegas. Out of the park is helping us with how we want to make our predictions. They're just providing simulations. Then yeah. So you have the the White Sox. So I'm giving you a hundred grand, and you're I can't one. Wait, are you gonna give me check or cash? Cash always. <laughs> Perfect. And you're putting all your marbles on the White Sox winning 84 games or more. That's yes. the one lock you're doing in the division. Yes. Okay. Because for Cause me, I believe, that's, a, that's a close call there because they lost to Brayu. They didn't do a lot. I like the White Sox, but I don't love them, and I don't know. They I could win Giolito, 90 or they Giolito's could. Giolito's going to be a free agent. He's going to have a big year. Okay. Okay. Lance Lynn is Lance Lynn. Yep. Right? Their bullpen is good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Although missing Hendricks for for a couple months, but they still have Graveman. They still have Bummer. They have all these guys yep. that can can Fair. do things in the late innings, right? I can't believe I'm about to say this. Moncada, Robert, Eloy are going to play more than a hundred games this year. <laughs> I know. I know. I was like a hundred. What? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. You guys are both looking at me like I'm crazy. I know. It's a prediction time now, and I think if they're healthy, I'm not saying they're going to. I'm not going to say they're going to win the division. But I think because last year they finished 81 and 81, and the last week they shut it down and because the Guardians had already clinched. So they were like, yeah, screw this, we quit. But if they're in it, they're going to stay in it till the end. And I'm, I'm saying 84, 85. Okay. Because nobody else in the division made enough improvement for me to. to but that's the thing. Out. That's but, close, though. You're saying 84, 85. Yeah, but I said over. Right. So 85. Let's. Lot, let's like we're looking over for 83 locks. and a half. I didn't, I didn't say the twins. First of all, I didn't say the twins were going to win the division. I said, what is my lock? I said the twins over. I didn't, we're not picking the division winner. The twins over is the lock. Over yes. 84 over. and a half is, that's okay. easy. He's just saying the lock is, he thinks the twins are going to win what? 85 or more. Okay, what did the twins do significantly? Pablo Lopez, I get. What else did they do significantly to make their team better? Because they weren't even close in the division. He likes year. Gallo. He said that. Okay, he's got a Gallo's a big pick. He's a Yankee lover. I mean, what do you expect? <sighs> if we have to, if we have to, if we have like, let, let's go. Let, let's be fair. If, if you think Eloy's and and Yoan are going to play a hundred, why can't I let Buxton play a hundred? He's going to his DH, but he needs to be in center field. He like, I mean, this dude is. You have two dynamic guys up the middle. That is huge. Max Kepler. Max Kepler is going to have a bounce back year from what he had. I get it. You know, Buck Farmer's not. He's, he's going to be more of like, you know, a one war player, two war player, but he's going to give them stability at the position for singles arise. Like they got rid of arise. I get it. He wasn't blasting balls all over the park. He was, you know, he was barely a first baseman. He just blasted two home runs in one game against USA and WBZ. That's so, not I mean, going to be a regular thing. I mean, I'm just saying. You t- okay, so you traded Joey Gallo for Miguel Sano. What did Sano do last year? Exactly. The same thing Joey Gallo did. No, what's what? Who's going to have a better year this year? Joey well, Gallo? Well, Joey Gallo because he's on Snow. a team, of course. But I'm saying Miguel Sano was supposed to be Joey Gallo. That's going to make him better. Yeah, but that's gonna that's an to me that's an easy bet to try to go after Gallo. Just I'm just I mean you know I'm just having a conversation. I agree that I think the Guardians could be the Guardians could be the team that 
if you were to ask me to guess, they might be in first and they might be in third because I get their starting rotation is what it is, but that organization does not know how they don't they don't go and pay for a bullpen. So their depth in the bullpen, they have tons of starting like starting pitchers galore in the minor leagues down there. But yes, I, I am just I'm fearful of any consistency or ability to 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 mitigate any any injuries. And I feel like, but I I I agree. I think they should win the division, and I think they're you know they're even more of a lock. But at eighty six and a half, I just. I'm worried that they might be more like a 89 win team. And I feel like the twins might be more of an 88 win team to a 90 win team. And I think, and I think that was more of a lock, but not division winners. My turn. Cleveland. I think they're going to win 90 plus. Yeah. I think they're the rays of the Midwest. So, and Kratzy made the point for me for the most part, but I think they're pretty much bringing the same squad back plus Josh Bell. Okay. The biggest thing for me, because I'm a prospect guy, top five farm system in the game still. And we've seen this happening over the last couple of years. Guys come up for them and they shine. And some of it's via trade too. Andres Jimenez was maybe the best second baseman in baseball last year. Rosario had a great year for him. Rosario had an awesome year and he hustles and he sets a great example. Jose Ramirez is a top what? Seven player player. for baseball. Top what? Ten. Top ten for sure. Yes. So Bieber looks incredible in spring training. He kind of looks a little back, a little below up to I think McKenzie takes another step. And then the farm system, we can, we can spend a lot of time on how many guys could come up at some point this year for Cleveland. So for me, that's my lock. I, I would be surprised if they win only 85 or less. So that's the one. And I'll disagree with OTP too. So one, there you go. One, one quick one. I want you to give Jose Ramirez his due. Right now. Lot we just did. A lot better than top 10. I said top seven. Top 10 position player in the game? Trout, Betts, no, Goldschmidt, Arnauto. There's four, and I haven't even thought about it. I mean, we're talking about a three, a three, a, a two, a six, a and a four five. In, the, in the MVP voting. I, top 10. Top we, can 10 do this enough, we can do players? this in yeah. another show. It's, it's, yeah. He's top 10 easy. I said top seven. Top five, you're Freeman, starting to push it. There's six. Yeah. Play the game. Pre-order now. Out of the park baseball, 24. I think my uh, voiceover for the game comes out, I believe, on Friday. Nice. So stay tuned. You can pre-order and then you can get the game. Friday. Slap pants time, baby. <laughs> Let's do it. Kratz hats, take over. Speaking of the Cleveland Guardians, when they were the Indians, Triple A, this, this was the classic home hat for the Clippers. The other one I wore, I think, was a – I forget where I have it. I got them all lined up here, but – yeah, that was more of the uh, the uh, July Fourth hat, but Cleveland Guardians, Triple A, the Columbus Clippers, ring your bells. Smallest park on earth until Charlotte made their new Triple A park. Now that's the smallest park on earth, but incredible downtown spot. If you ever have a chance to go to Columbus and catch a game, it is absolutely worth it. Most uniquely built stadium, and it is tiny. It is smaller. Smaller than the size of this hat, but it is tiny. <laughs> yeah, it's a great crowd there. I called a AAA All-Star game there once, and they, they sell out a lot out there in Columbus. What's I like AAA? it. Huh? I'm just kidding. What's Triple A? I never did the Don't ask race. Michael Harris because we didn't even get to that, That's but true. he never went to AAA. True. 
Military base of the day, Fort Leavenworth, the United States Army installation located in Kansas, built in 1827, second oldest active U.S. Army post west of Washington, D.C., oldest permanent settlement in Kansas. And Fort Leavenworth has historically been known as the intellectual center of the Army, the smarts. We appreciate you. We salute you. And let's finish strong. Yeah. Slap hands. Did you have something you wanted to say for slap hands? I, the only thing I had was Mark Hurley. Happy birthday. happy birthday, Mark. Hope you're in a tree stand, tree stand somewhere. Uh, you know, perfect game, no hitter. Uh, but one of the best teammates I ever had. So, Mark Burley, happy birthday. Can't wait to see you soon. Does he do everything in life super fast? No. No? No. He's a laid-back guy? Yeah, everything totally. but pitch. Yeah. Everything but pitch he does fast. He, he's, he's laid back? Yeah, yeah. totally. And, and uh, that's for you. I have to announce to you guys. I mean, I'm not trying to step on Burley's Burley's birthday, but big news. Tomorrow, I'm not going to be making the show because I have somebody else stepping in for me. So it's going to be Scott, Todd, and my girl, <laughs> Mabel. Mabel! Oh, Mabel's my gosh. Mabel's so awesome. <laughs> that's, my, that's my little niece, three, four-month-old. No, she's five months old now. Niece, Mabel. That smile is every day, all day. Oh my. I, think that, I think that bow doesn't come out of her hair either. She is incredible but she's stepping in for me tomorrow so everybody tune in she's got a lot and i hope i hope todd's nice to her <laughs> can she do a segment on uh, with kratz tomorrow i tell you what the one thing that todd's gonna do is call her a nerd because he todd calls everybody a nerd nerd yeah he's just uh, you're a nerd he's gonna go hey mabel yeah you're a nerd is that mabel. a bean burger you want a bean burger mabel yeah. <laughs> you're a nerd mabel you'll be better on the show nerd. with a bean Always burger nerd. yeah but he says nerd without the d listen to it next time what's up nerd <laughs> <laughs> and on that note it's been a fun thursday happy weekend to aj fraser friday back at it and we'll post a little idea of what the guest list is looking like later on also that entire joey Votto interview if you missed it tell your friends it is gold ft live on a thursday see you on a friday